Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers. I'm Stephanie. I am the woman half of my show, Dark Side Divas. And I don't I don't have an intro here either. Uh, <laughs> this is my kryptonite. Hi. Hi, welcome in, Steph. I've I've been dying to get you on here for ages. <laughs> Ever since we had Chris on for Bad Batch, I was yep. like, oh, we also have to have Steph on. <laughs> we have to maintain balance in the force. Uh, yeah, and I really appreciate you bringing me on for this one because he's dying of jealousy because uh. he really wanted to talk about the season finale here. And uh, no, no, that's me. You go play at Disney. Oh, I get yeah. to record this oh, podcast. Oh, we'll get to that. I have a okay, specific <laughs> point in my notes uh, where Ooh. we can bag on Chris for being at Disneyland while we're recording this. I noted it specifically. Oh, thank you. That's like a, that's a little gift for me. I have something to look forward to later. It's like a mint. It's going to be great. I know. I've listened to every single episode of Dark Side Divas. I know your brand <laughs> right now. Before mm. we hop into the episode, we did have some news this week. Under that falls under the umbrella of hot men doing Star Wars things. Bradley, do you want to tell us what happened <laughs> this week? Okay, so before I get right into it, I'm going to apologize to you because yesterday when this news broke, um, I was working an event for my TV show that I work on. And um, it was real, it was a 12 hour day, you know? So I was, was, we're getting into like the end part and I was really late and I was like, really exhausted because I've been working this event the whole time and he texts me and he's just like this thing happened and I was just like okay like that's great like I, you know <laughs> it's a good thing I guess and I mm-hmm. didn't think about it until now but very exciting news just happened <laughs> yes yeah, so what what was it according to the Hollywood Reporter Bradley so apparently some guy, I mean, I don't know who he is, some guy who's played Anakin Skywalker in the past, um, some Joe, some, some nobody, some Joe oh Schmo. Uh, some fucking happened. Canadian. <laughs> yeah, some random ass Canadian actor um, is coming back to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker in the Ahsoka show. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm disgustingly excited. Now, Steph, you said something on Twitter about the role that he might play that I completely mm-hmm. agree with. Uh, what was it you said that that you think he'll show up as in the I show? I think he'll he will show up as Anakin Skywalker's Force Ghost. Ooh. I think I he's gonna show that. up as a force ghost and he's gonna be all glowy and he's gonna call her snips, and then I'm <laughs> going to cry <laughs> my eyes out. I oh. will legitimately probably take a sick day from work the next day if that happens yeah i will need to to recover from the dehydration from all the crying so do, do it's you gonna think it's gonna so be like good. a jiminy cricket kind of situation like he's always gonna be there in every episode telling her like this is what <laughs> you need to do like i don't think he'll i don't think they're gonna overuse him okay because that he is that's a strong flavor to add to the recipe mm-hmm. there um and, uh, you know, Filoni and them have been always been really good about letting the new story take its own arc and have its own life with the bones of the old and, right. and a little something there to, to support it. Um, so I think he'll be there when Ahsoka is at her darkest. 
and she's going to be if if the story that they're going to follow in this show is what I think it's going to be, she's going to need some help. It's going to be rough. So I'm excited. I I also know that uh, Rosaria Dawson on Instagram confirmed it. Mm-hmm. And in her confirmation, she referred to him in the comment as Sky Guy Ugh. and signed it Smiths. <laughs> and that alone, like I'm sitting here, I saw it at, at my job. Mm-hmm. I was sitting at my desk. I work in a completely quiet office, uh, which nice. will also be relevant to a note I have later on about the episode. <laughs> but I work in a completely quiet office. It's basically silent all the time. Mm-hmm. I sit there and I listen to podcasts. I'm sitting at my desk trying not to scream (laughs) veins are bulging in my head like i'm just Uh, going to go to the car and lose my fucking shit after mm -hmm. i get out of this office which i probably did there you go yeah and what i'm really enjoying about this announcement is um how positive the reaction to it has been yes like sort of universally, at least on all the sides of Star Wars social media that I can see, uh, everybody's really excited and like wholeheartedly supporting Hayden Christensen's return to the Star Wars universe, um, which is very different from the tone that we all had for him during the prequels. And I, I wish we could like, I wish that love could be shared to other actors who uh, were horribly damaged by the fandom menaces backlash during the first round with the prequel movies, like poor Jake Lloyd. I wish we could spread some love towards that guy. Yeah, Jake, Jake Lloyd, like it's a, it's still kind of a sore spot for me when I watch the Phantom Menace, Mm -hmm. knowing what happened to him because of that movie and around that movie. Yeah. Uh, It is definitely something like when you look at the attitude toward the prequels now, uh, for right. kids like Bradley, who Bradley, you were a prequels kid, and I kind I, of was I was like, literally just doing the math so I could just double check myself just to those, see how old I was. I those was kids, yeah, those kids have grown up, and the level of appreciation and love, like Ahmad Best getting mm-hmm. standing ovations at Star Wars Celebration when he was reviled despised. in public, he was despised. Yes. They hated. I was just young enough to enjoy the prequels and just old enough to comprehend what was happening around them. Oh, wow. So it was a strange age. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's awesome that like Hayden's getting and I can't wait. I don't want to bag on George Lucas too much because I genuinely respect the man, but I cannot wait to see Hayden Christensen work with an actually good director like Deborah Chow. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Right? Because he can act. He can act really well. And I have heard. Believe that. Uh, You wouldn't know it to look at the prequels. So, and that's down to bad direction and bad script. It is. That grew up in an environment where nobody said no. Right. So it was an emperor has no clothes type of environment. Fucking Rick McCollum. Now I'm picturing George Lucas naked and we need to move on. So <laughs> yes. Good transition. <laughs> let's, let's get to the episode before I have to think about that. At all. Neck pouch. Ah, all right. All right. Bradley, you want to take us into more hot men and uh, wonderful ladies doing Star Wars things for 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Let's rescue us from this conversation. Yes. We are talking about the Mandalorian season two, episode eight called the rescue. 
Mm -hmm. uh, where the Mandalorian and his allies attempt a daring rescue. Um, Steph, what is one thing about this episode that you liked and one thing you did not? Um, well, I think the, the big thing that we're probably all going to agree is like the thing to like happens at the end. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to reference that. Okay. But cool. the thing, the thing that I liked outside of that, uh, was the girl squad boarding party. Yes. Oh, my favorite thing about it was like during the planning phase. I mean, it's not, they all get on the ship and nobody on that ship has a prayer. It's amazing. Yeah. But during the planning phase, at no point did these big, strong men go, but maybe we should go. Right. No, no. They knew their role. They stepped back. Yeah. Uh, everybody had their tasks. Boba was like, I'll stay on the ship. It's cool. Yeah. And <laughs> because everybody in there was frightfully competent and enormously dangerous. And so they just went and like, it was especially fun to watch because I've been watching some of these women for years. Right. Uh, so that wasn't just, um, that, that wasn't, that was like, what am I trying to say? That wasn't just Bo-Katan and Cusco Reeves and, uh, and Fennec Shand running in there. That was Starbuck and Sasha Banks and Melinda May running in there for me. Yeah. And I'm like, so that was just another layer of everybody on that ship is fucked right now when they ran in and it was so good. So good. So that was one thing that, Oh, also <laughs> it was delicious, but then it was extra delicious after the, the episode aired because it was salted with fanboy tears, just, just sprinkled all over it. They were so furious right. that Mando was like left to be sneaking around the ship and Boba left. And it was just down to these girls. It was mwah, so good. But um, Steph, Steph, everyone huh? knows you cannot have more than one girl mm -hmm. in a Star Wars movie. You have to have the one girl with the blaster and then all of the others have to be side characters. <laughs> That's how this works. You can't give a girl a, a lightsaber unless right. she's a background alien. That's not how this <laughs> franchise works. Girls in my Star Wars? It's more likely Never. than you think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was wonderful. It was so much fun to watch. It was such a it was such a like a Wonder Woman moment for me watching them go at it. It's amazing. Um, one thing that I disliked, and I'm not going to say I disliked it because I don't think that's a strong enough word. I hated, mm. hated with the fiery passion of a thousand hells, the Dark Trooper theme music. Oh, you hear the music that came on when we're watching the Dark Troopers activate. So that's yeah, an like very... interesting, interesting thing that you said, because I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and I can defend that choice. <laughs> I, and you don't need to. If you liked it, you liked it. You don't need to defend it to me. Um, I hated it because my partly because my uh, my inner goth club kid from the early <laughs> 2000s loved it ate that shit up with a spoon but like this is star wars what in the reject from the blade 2 soundtrack is this shit <laughs> that they're playing over these dark troopers like techno dubstep in yeah. my star wars score is not the peanut butter in my chocolate situation that they thought it was gonna be okay <laughs> the first time i watched this episode i legit thought like another track had started playing like maybe there was another tab open yeah. or something like this was an ad but no no that was just fucking weird music that's awesome see my it. my thing that i liked was actually the overall score mm -hmm. gorenson score and several times i actually noted that uh 
I really liked how different the Dark Trooper music was and how uncomfortable it was because I thought it highlighted looking at the way he normally scores Mando. He normally scores it like a Western. Mm -hmm. He specifically writes the music this way. And then the Dark Troopers come in and he's got this like grinding techno thing (laughs) that just highlights... How weird <laughs> and out of place. <laughs> Just highlights how weird and out of place these things are and how different they are from mm-hmm. everything else in the show. Oh, so I can see that. I really liked it on that level, mm-hmm. but I was never a, a goth club kid. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I dated one of those, but. <laughs> I was never one myself, probably, because I did date one of those. Yeah, no, we were insufferable. Yeah, there's a there's a reason. That's a that's a breed that grew up. <laughs> but even the moments like, you know, when Moff Gideon and, and Den are talking in the cell and the score that underlines that, uh, or the fact that like the Mando theme plays when Boba Fett fires at the, the Lambda class shuttle, like a little touch like that. Mm-hmm. Just Ludo Gorenson's music unbelievable on good stuff unbelievably Mm. good stuff uh one thing i disliked other than uh the thing that we're (laughs) we're gonna talk about at the end which i have slightly complicated feelings on (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't super wild about the shot that they chose to end the episode on Mm. It was a cool shot and specifically the sound effect they played right after. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first watched the episode and that happened and the door closes and there's this kind of ominous slamming sound. I went, is that how you end an episode? Like, is this how you end the season mm-hmm. with them just kind of standing there and you've set up all this stuff over the course of the episode and a bunch of it, like the Bo-Katan stuff is just not going to get resolved. Like, right. I felt like the episode... When I first watched it, I felt like the episode needed about five or ten more minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, Bradley, you bagged on that scene from the finale of season one, where everything is fine and they just talk about the epilogue for five minutes. Mm -hmm. But this one didn't have that at all. And when I first watched it, I was like, what? What? It's almost Mm -hmm. like an overcorrection. Yeah. Like, they ended it. And like, I can kind of see the logic where they wanted to end it on this moment mm-hmm. where they step into the elevator and the door closes and Grogu and Den are separated, maybe permanently. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there were a lot of questions that were left unanswered for me by the end <laughs> okay. of the episode. And yeah. I felt like it. So you're going to watch next season then, huh? Oh, I'm definitely going to It's almost like they do that on purpose. It's weird. (laughs) It's almost almost like they were trying to bait me into watching more of their show, which, I mean, I'm a, a, you know, shitty fanboy who will drop Star Wars at the first sign of anything that I personally don't like or makes me uncomfortable. Uh, This is well documented by the fact that I continue to watch Star Wars and buy all of the novels and read all of the comics and... Play and all have, a about <laughs> have a podcast about it. I see you. I see you. Bradley, what about you? One thing you liked and one thing you disliked. Um, let's see. Well, of course, I, 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 I too also have mixed feelings about the end, but for probably different reasons than you. Um, 
so I, I'll save those for the end. What I liked was uh, Lady Squad was probably my favorite part of the episode as well. I think that was mm. just, it really was chef's kiss. Like it was very, I love seeing Bo-Katan in action. Like that's one of my favorite things about The Mandalorian is just seeing her do stuff. Like, or even seeing Cosca Reeves do stuff. Like Cosca Reeves' scene in this with Boba fighting. Mm. Like I thought mm. that was one of the best fun scenes. Cause it's just mm-hmm. like, a, I like her character. I like both characters i like all lady characters in this show pretty much uh except for one but um which has been a which has been a a change from episode four that we did with you right where where you were not wild about how the girl power was handled in that episode right i think this one it was it wasn't like in your face to the point where it was like look what we're it wasn't like the avengers movie Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we're at the end of avengers they were like we're all here and we all happen to have vaginas. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. You know, it, it was nothing like that. It was very like, right. no, this is way better. This was, this was done in a way where it's like, no, look, these are the people who actually know what to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. Here's the people who don't need, like, they're the only ones who can do this. The right. two men in the situation cannot do this thing because one has to go do another task and the mm-hmm. other one has to sit on his, uh, not a slave ship. So that's what, <laughs> so they were, you know, I, I, it, it made sense for the episode. Mm-hmm. I think they were all capable. Um, one thing I did not like about the episode, um, honestly, there wasn't too much I didn't like. I think I just wanted it to be longer. I think mm-hmm. I needed, like you said, I think I needed another 10 minutes of the episode just to resolve something to the point, like you don't have to resolve the Grogu, you know, Din storyline like that. I get, you can cut that off and be like, Oh, will they stay together? Kind of thing. That's fine. But like, I kind of need more. I know they're setting up this other thing with the whole Mandalorian storyline or Mandalore storyline, but it's like, I, I kind of needed them to set up like what will be going on in the next thing. Not, mm-hmm. we have no idea what's going on in the next thing, you know? So because I liked how Moff Gideon was very like smug the whole time because he knew what was yeah. going on. And mm-hmm. then Mando has no fucking clue because he's not a real Mandalorian. You know, he doesn't know anything. And then, <laughs> you know, Bo-Katan didn't say anything the whole time at the end. So she's very like silent. Uh, she knows what's happening, but she doesn't say it out loud. And they leave Gideon to ta- kind of tell us. And I kind of needed mm-hmm. her to kind of reaffirm. I feel like the, you know, we end on that, that moment and we'll probably talk about this some more uh, later, uh, but we end on that moment. They cut it there because uh, like I, as an audience member, I was, I was, you know, I was bawling a, eh? uh, and I was <laughs> yeah. sitting, I was sitting in that, that moment of, of breathness when you watch your, your child go beyond a door that you can't follow. And like, for anybody to go, okay, look, I know you're really sad right now, but can we talk about the dark saber thing? <laughs> we need to talk about the fact that's my fucking planet. I need that right. sword. We got to fight right now. Like right. that would have been really tacky, I think, yeah. to put that on. I feel like that scene may have even been written and they might have even tried to shoot it and they might have gone, you know what? That's true. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. I we didn't can't think of that because there's no artwork at the end there's no mm. um, right that's yeah. weird concept art which i thought was weird because mm-hmm. i feel like you're right there might be a whole scene they cut and you know what i bet you anything that that's the premiere of the next season is like we're that probably gonna start scene. right there right, with right mando there. just staring yeah. with tears in his eyes yeah 
I can't there's, handle it when Pedro Pascal cries. I'm okay. <laughs> there's like a section where it, it kind of feels like Bo-Katan is explaining what the plot of the next season's going to be. I have it noted. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we get mm-hmm. to it in the episode. Um, but there was a specific point where she outlined like where I think they're sort of going with this. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there when we get there. Uh, we should probably dive into it and start talking about this. <laughs> of course, episode. let's do it. We do not want another. Uh, we do not want another the Jedi on our hands. I exactly. mean, it takes as long as it takes. <laughs> but all right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> our episode begins as Boba Fett's starship chases a Lambda class shuttle. On board is none other than Doctor Pershing. Boba Fett successfully disables the shuttle, and the Mando crew boards the ship. One of the pilots decides to be a dick to Cara Dune, so she shoots him in the face. <laughs> God, I love the Lambda class shuttles so much. God, I love those things. That was not how I expected that sentence to end, but all right. Yeah, well, you know. Lambda class shuttles, huh? The Lambda class I don't know why. Ever since I've seen, ever since I saw Return of the Jedi, I've Mm -hmm. I've always really liked the design of the Lambda class shuttles. All right, Mm -hmm. then. I have the Lego set and everything, but then I have the Lego (laughs) set of every fucking ship in this thing. Because I have no impulse control. (laughs) The the ships are characters in the story, Mm -hmm. just like everybody else. So Absolutely. You, you love on that Lambda class shuttle. I will. It, honey. <laughs> I will. Well, I just um, remember, I, I love the, the specifically the blue kind of inverted tr- like triangles. Because mm-hmm. I remember watching that scene in Return of the Jedi, which is one of my favorite scenes. And it's got this kind of ominous empire vibe to it mm-hmm. behind it. So to see them recreated in this, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then we see that like where the door is in it. Because the door actually opens and it didn't in Return of the Jedi, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really <laughs> love those ships. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Let's talk about those two actors because I found some something really fun about one of them. Okay. Bradley, did you do any research into these actors or did you leave it to me this time? Of course not. I, I You know, these were pilots. I wasn't too interested in them. So I just... You weren't interested in the one with the punchablest face ever? <laughs> Thomas E. Sullivan with the punchable face? <laughs> Such oh a punchable. I thought he was Evan Peters for a second. No. I was like, did they get Evan Peters to be in this? Because I really want to deck him. Yeah, and you should. And, they, and he has weaponized that for the purposes yeah. of his career he was an agent of shield yes yeah he was he was a lot of those this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's almost like they're pulling from the same talent pool i know it's almost <laughs> like there's not that huge of a talent pool of uh actors who do minor roles in tv shows unproblematic right. actors who will pass disney muster yeah right yeah that's a smaller pool no. the other actor that's in this scene is the one I really want to talk about is a guy named Luke Baines. And here's mm-hmm. the thing about Luke Baines, right? What do we classify as a Disney movie for the purposes of the Disney trifecta? Ooh, so uh, it can't be like, it, so like, for example, people would consider Pretty Woman to be a Disney movie because it was made technically by a subsidiary of Disney. So I'm going to say, like, it has to be a tried and true, like, either a Disney animation or it has to be, like, a classic Disney movie. It can't be, yeah. like, a subset. Because if it's just associated with Disney, makes it a yeah. Disney movie, then uh, Julia Roberts's hooker character is a Disney princess now. Right, exactly. So I don't know. So <laughs> would, for example, so. 
shameless Disney propaganda count as a quote-unquote Disney movie because the reason I ask is because Luke Baines, who is in this episode, he is the character who gets shot uh, Mm -hmm. by the other pilot because he's like, Mm -hmm. maybe I don't want to die in this moment. So he was in (laughs) Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he also had a minor role in Saving Mr. Banks. Oh. Really? Really. He is credited as the waiter. (laughs) Saving Mr. Banks. I mean, well, technically the movie is about uh what is it mary poppins or something right like it's like a it's it's like a a docu kind of movie it's it's like a a shamelessly disney propagandaist retelling right right of of someone's real life story poppins right 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 right. look the mouse has an excellent pr department okay (laughs) so So. i'm gonna go with yes he would meet the disney trifecta because that counts as a disney movie not all disney trifectas are created equal (laughs) (laughs) correct I would say that, yes, we can give him, technically, he has completed the Disney trifecta. He is our okay. second second Mandalorian okay. actor to complete the Disney trifecta. Uh, nice. With, in fairness, though, we're going to put an asterisk. Uh, Ming-Na Wen's Disney trifecta, definitely more substantial. than oh, Luke wins Bain. a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Credit yeah. to Luke Baines for pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ming Na Wen has has him absolutely destroyed in that. Department, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Mulan. Mm. Oh god, love her. love her. Oh, we stand her so hard here. <laughs> oh. She's so great. She's so fucking great. Okay, yes. Um, so are we talking about who else? The elephant in the shuttle. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> this being uh, this being Cara Dune's last real substantial scene. Mm-hmm. She does this. She does some action. We have one last lingering shot on her, and then she is no longer in the franchise. Never to be heard or Never seen to be heard again. From again. Mm-hmm. She went. She went with the Mithril on a mission uh, to a planet that got blown up <laughs> in a mining accident, and then we never heard from her or the Mithril ever again. <laughs> I like the Mithril. <laughs> the Mithril's actor, um, for, oh, for no, trigger reasons, <laughs> he has been uh, accused of some fairly horrible grooming stuff. Oh, never yeah. mind. They yeah. can go They can go to the same horrible planet. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when they, when they were working, uh, when the actor was working for SNL, so that has come out. So that's why our, our previous jokes of the Mithril probably will not be back. <laughs> I, uh, we'll see. So here's the thing. I uh, typically don't like to um, give Gina Carano my attention or my breath. Um, however, since it's the last time, I'm going right. to have to talk about her in association with Star Wars until my podcast in 20 years gets around to the Mandalorian, uh, (laughs) then, okay. Okay. So uh, here's the thing. I was so happy to see Cara Dune on screen in the Mandalorian, just to see her, to see the space that she took up because uh, representation matters. And it's really nice to see a thick bitch on the screen. Mm. I mean, come on. 
She's not, she's not a single digit size by any means. And you never see that. And so we've got this big old girl and she is stomping around the outer rim and she's just got covered in all these like meaty slabs of muscle, the kind of muscle that you need to be a drop trooper. And she, she looks like a soldier. She looks she like she could take like your head off. Yeah. So that's because she legit could take your head off. Um, but <laughs> somebody of her size in comparison to other lovely ladies of the galaxy. And she's not the punchline mm. and she's not the villain. And she's not a pitiful wannabe love interest for Mando. Like that was never a thing. Right. Like that was amazing. And she also provided space in the star Wars story to actually mourn for Alderaan, which is something that not even the princess of Alderaan was given time to do. Like she saw it blow up yeah. and then she had to 10 minutes later comfort fucking Luke because an old man he met five minutes ago died. Her whole planet is dead, but yeah. okay, honey, here's your blankie. Like, <laughs> so I really appreciated that she, her character carved that space. I love the character of Cardoon, performance aside. Uh, she's a badass. She's a veteran. She's respected for her skills and for her ethics. Um, on both sides, on the Outer Rim outlaw side and on the New Republic side. Everybody fucking loves her because of what she can do and because of how she conducts herself. I love her. I am so disappointed with, with Gina Carano. Like, because you couldn't, you couldn't just be a good fucking person and yeah. let us keep this character. Okay, fine. So I will remember Cara Dune fondly, right. uh, but... I I have nothing nice to say about the well, actress portrayal. Well, never never say never because you know Disney is not above recasting people. So and I, mean, I encourage them to do so. Could we please? Yeah. I, maybe maybe she has a sister, La- Laura Dune. <laughs> that was brought uh-huh. up. That was brought up in the initial like wake of the her contract is not being renewed, mm-hmm. which is different than her being fired people who are writing about this online her contract was not renewed mm-hmm. for another season that happens uh, but i remember it was brought up like oh how do we approach her role in the story mm-hmm. and people were complaining i have this i have this issue with the star wars fandom <laughs> just the one <laughs> i have many issues but one of them is like <clears throat> Especially with the IATSE strike at a time of recording this episode, we're in kind of a gray area with the IATSE strike right? where Star Wars fans will hear these real life things affecting the show and go, but what are they going to do with Rangers of the New Republic now? Uh, but what are they going to do with uh, my shows? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can you get your head out of the fucking sand for five goddamn minutes? Right. Like, the Gina Carano thing was a real problem that was affecting actual people mm-hmm. in their lives. The stuff that she was doing on social media was deeply divisive and deeply damaging stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so Rangers of the New Republic might be being retooled behind the scenes and that's why it's not an active development. Fine. That's what happens. Yeah. Real life is more important than your fictional story. Mm-hmm. And And Disney has all the time and all the money in the world. If they decide that after a year or two, uh, you know, that it will, that they can revisit that story and bring it back and make some money with it. That's exactly what they're going to do. It doesn't have to be her. She's not the only Marshall 
of the new republic 100 percent. we were talking or, about that how you don't even have to do the same character just something equal or greater than to the same character i so think there's a valid story yeah, yeah. i think there's a story to be told there i personally think that they should uh, make paul sun hyung lee uh the star of rangers of the new republic uh, is which it? is that is the asian uh x-wing pilot <gasps> Yes. Yeah. Give him that. Yeah. Show. And that's Give that's me that getting show. my thick bitch back too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's precious and I love him. Yes. Love my him. my last point on this is uh <laughs> I just find it really interesting, he said as he took a sip of his coffee. I just find it interesting how he didn't actually take a sip of his coffee. I just want everybody know. to know I that. Did, <laughs> He's he's narrating doing it, but he didn't do it. And we all take a sip. I just find it interesting how a certain subset of people were ripping on the character of Cara Dune when she first premiered Mm -hmm. uh, and making all these complaining videos about her Mm -hmm. uh, right up until the actress started agreeing with you politically and on Disney and how fast that tune changed. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, the same motherfuckers who were like, what's this girl doing in my Mando? Are the same ones who were like, bring my girl back to my Mando. Like, mm, no, you can't have it those ways. (laughs) Oh, man. Speaking of shitty men. (laughs) So dude who like holds the gun to Pershing's head. Right. Uh, With the punchable face. Yes. With the punchable face. Mm -hmm. Uh, No hate to... to, uh, Thomas Thomas E. Sullivan. I'm sure he's performs the role great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, this guy is like. So I was on the Death Star, and I'm looking at this dude like, how old are you? You, you cannot be more than thirty. Yeah, like right. a. How are you on the Death Star, and you're and you're as young as you are, and b. How are you on the Death Star, and you're not Adams right now? Because the first right. Death Star, you didn't get a transfer off of the Death Star. <laughs> Right. That was not a thing that happened. No. The second Death Star, like maybe conceivably, but also you're like a TIE pilot. They're dressed in like the TIE pilot helmetless right. uniforms, which are actually different than the, the shuttle pilots we see in the original trilogy flying the shuttles. So like, are you just so shitty you weren't promoted up from TIE pilot? Like, Bruh, I don't. I don't, he's lying though, because Vader is the only one who survived the first Death Star, as far as I know, because everybody else who was flying out there with him, I believe, got shot down. And then everybody who was on the Death Star fucking died. Did the second Death Star, did it deploy any TIE fighters or were those solely from the Star Destroyers? I don't know, but I'm sure somebody listening right now is screaming the answer. Someone, someone is going to shout at me. They're they're like, like, I I saw that one right there that flew away. Chris is listening right now and he's going, God damn it. (laughs) You got it. It's right there. It's in this background shot in the movie. Right. Exactly. Mm, That's still yummy. But this suffering pleases me. Go on. (laughs) Oh, yes. Suffer, bitch. (laughs) Um, So. That segues into my other point with this conversation, which is the whole millions of people were killed on the Death Star thing. Yeah. That uh, people who like to paint the rebels in a bad light love to point out in and out of universe that Mm -hmm. millions of people were killed on the Death Star. Yes. When the two Death Stars, when they exploded 
Uh, they never mentioned that it's millions of fascists. Right. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> fascists are people too. Yeah. Biologically, sure. But uh, yeah, no, that is absolutely a talking point that oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But like, the rebels killed a bunch of people too. Right. Right. Rebels were terrorists. Yeah, okay, it's a matter of perspective and whose propaganda you're consuming on the day. Sure. Right, right. But yeah, no, I, but I do appreciate that they included that because yeah. to, to show us that the imperial propaganda machine still is rolling along right because it's it's just purring in the background of the new republic and it'll it'll fire up again later we've mentioned too on on previous episodes for our recaps of both season one and season two we've talked about the type of person who's going to be recruited into the empire Mm. post jakku when the empire is basically a bunch of like fascist fanboys that run around pretending to be important and bullying people in stormtrooper armor Mm -hmm. because they were too inept or incompetent to go into the unknown regions with Ray Sloan and found the first order. Mm -hmm. So this scene does a great job of speaking to like what someone who is going to drink this Kool-Aid is going to be spouting Mm -hmm. this kind of. And how hard you're going to want to punch him in the face when he does because they're all so, yeah. punchable in this show oh so <laughs> the, brilliant casting the guy in last week uh the the officer that mayfield shoots mm-hmm. love it oh love how love that actor i can't think of his name off the top of my head but that actor is he his whole career is play, playing that guy that you fucking hate and that's his job and it's and uh, from what i understand he's lovely a but lot he, of people who with that a lot of people who play those roles tend to be from what I hear, mm-hmm. like the type of person who, who takes on that role. Like a lot of them I hear, oh, they're just absolutely lovely in person. Like Sir right. Christopher Lee was apparently, and, and Peter Cushing were lovely people <laughs> and played some of the worst monsters <laughs> mm-hmm. in Christopher, Sir Christopher Lee's case, quite literally. Indeed. It's, it's almost that time of year. Well, <laughs> it is that time of year Spooky to watch season. Those movies mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. Some, some two more small notes I have mm-hmm. for this sequence. How is Boba Fett boarding the ship exactly? And when I say that, I don't mean how is he attaching the auxiliary hatch, the boarding hatch, which we see. So he's behind the ship. Mm-hmm. He comes under engine. the ship and then like goes up the front of it for mm-hmm. his dramatic reveal. Mm-hmm. But that was so cool because it was a cockpit to cockpit. Is he doing it just because he's a dick? Yeah. I think we can we can ascribe a lot of Boba Fett's actions too because he's a dick. <laughs> he's just dramatic. He yeah. No, it's for the drama. Yeah. It's for the drama of it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Boba Fett's maybe given some he might sort of play for our team kind of vibes <laughs> with how dramatic he is about everything. I think he plays for whatever team he wants to play for and nobody's going to fight him about it. He's the 800 pound gorilla. He may he may play for whatever team he feels like. He's whatever he wants to be in that particular <laughs> moment. And are you going to tell Boba Fett he's making the wrong choice? No. no. The man is tricked out with so many blasters in his fucking joints that, like, <laughs> you're not going to do anything. I also, 
I wanted to bring up real fast before we move on to the next section. They describe Pershing for the first time in the scene specifically as a clone engineer. Mm-hmm. In light of the Bad Batch, right mm-hmm. now showing what, to a degree, the the hints at least of what the post Kaminoan Imperial cloning division is like. It's interesting that he's a clone engineer. Mm-hmm. Especially, he looks like maybe he's 45, 40, 45. I don't know how mm-hmm. old the real guy is. How involved was he in this? How long has it been going? And how much is sticking around? I think um, just based on timeline, he would have absolutely had to have been trained with Nala C. You know, she gets taken to the big spooky mountain place, the name of which I cannot recall. Mount Tantus. Thank you. You're uh, welcome. I, he's almost certainly there and like being so sweet and so earnest and just so there for the science. Like clearly this is not an ideology for him. Like he's just a mad scientist. He just wants to pursue the science. He's not, he's, he's, I'm going to help you guys go get the kid because I want to keep poking it. Like, yeah, he's just there for the science. So I can see him like being all sitting, standing there with his data pad, just so excited to meet Nala C. Right. Now we're going to work together and I'm going to learn everything from her. Yeah, absolutely. I want to punch him in the face too, though. I also find it interesting that he has like the most ethics. It, <laughs> on the surface, he has the most ethics because he doesn't want the child to get killed. The most ethics but, of the Imperials? Yes, which is a low bar. Which is a really low bar to hit at this point. <laughs> so the question then would be like, does, does he say that and he's so defensive of the child because he wants to keep doing science on the child or because, you know, it's ethically wrong to shoot a child, Anakin? <laughs> well, it's Anakin amazing how many sentences kids. you can start with it's ethically wrong to and then end with Anakin. <laughs> like, <sighs> that's an entire novel right there. But yeah, no, I... I the feeling I get from him is uh, he's absolutely that kind of scientist character who seems harmless until you're on his table. Right. And then he still seems harmless, but he's doing so much harm because he's just a scientist and you underestimated him. I honestly think that his ethics were about preserving the, not the life and happiness of the child, but preserving the source of the science, the source of the M count blood fucking count well i i won't spoil it for you steph because you're working your way through the high republic now i am slowly but surely slowly but surely uh you have been suckered into it thank you darth chaco and others for uh convincing steph to join us in the wonderful world of the jedi (laughs) fuck i'm still working on bradley but i will say that uh the m count (laughs) the m count does come up in mm-hmm. one of those stories and it's done in a really clever way i'll be well curious. that would be a nice change i'll be curious to hear your thoughts on how they implement the concept okay, okay into okay. trail of shadows up next the mando group arrives to a cantina to find bo-katan and Casca reeves boba and Casca get into a scuffle ending with dual flamethrowers canceling <laughs> each other out in a weird game of rock paper flamethrower and the <laughs> You like that? That was funny. 
<clears throat> Sorry, go on. <laughs> normally, normally we edit out uh, when Bradley has to to stop in the middle of those. But I think no, I know it's actually funny. No, it's funny. I like it. <laughs> I'm sitting over here with my head in my hands at the mention of the fl- <laughs> fucking flamethrowers. The two fucking flamethrowers going at each other. I, I so, saw that so when I'm in my rewatch, and I was like, Charles is loving this moment. <laughs> oh yeah, Charles loved this fucking. Oh, moment. every Double time. The every he hates it. I love. I love that they use it twice in this episode too. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it even better. Yep. Um, this one was just really funny. But mm-hmm. Jesus, I I love how both of them used the flamethrower, but didn't quite like the flamethrowers hit against each other. <laughs> because that's what happens when you point it. a flame at a flame; it just cancels itself yeah, out. You're it, absolutely it, right, it Bradley. Just cancels it out. Yeah. That's how. That's how fucking fire works. I guess. No, it gets too hot, so hot that it goes cold and right. it's not there anymore. Right? There I think so. Oh, Star Wars. I'm sure that's how physics <laughs> works. Right. Okay. What what happens at the rest? Sorry, of the sorry. There was oh, no, 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 no. No, the only thing I said uh, left was uh, the group uses the knowledge from Dr. Pershing to form a plan to infiltrate Gideon's light cruiser. Okay. So I threw the, I threw the plan in there too at the end, but we can keep fucking talking about the flamethrower because clearly that's the best part of the whole entire scene. I fucking love oh, this scene. Oh, we'll we'll get mm. to we'll come back to the flamethrowers because <laughs> the second use of the flamethrower is somehow fucking worse than this one. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm kind of we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. That. Okay. okay. I want to point out the the gauntlet fighter that we see parked um, Mm. when it lands initially. But I want to also point out how smooth the integration of the CGI Mm. and everything is because there's a shot where Slave One comes down and lands and the hatch opens and the three walk out Mm. and it never cuts. And you never feel it. So fucking cool. I did notice one thing uh, for the first time uh, in the rewatch here. As Slave One is coming in, I'm like, so Boba repainted his armor, but not his ship. Yeah, That ship still looks like hammered shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got priorities, okay? Priorities. Got to get the outfit first, then we'll work on the ride. <laughs> yes. Hmm. <laughs> I really am thinking that Boba Fett might not be playing solely for the heterosexual team here. If his priority is his looks above his ride, I'm just saying. And that's not just because he's played by Tamara Morrison, who, as we Mm. previously have established, is daddy, sorry, daddy, sorry. God. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. Mm. Love Uh, that, man. Do you want to bag on Chris, Steph? I would love to. What have we got? So the menu uh, that's shown in <laughs> when they walk into the cantina. Okay. All of it, like with the prison stuff in episode mm-hmm. six, all of it is food that exists in the Star Wars universe. Okay. And a lot of that food is food that you can purchase on Batuu. <gasps> where <laughs> at time of recording, uh, Steph's lovely co-host, uh, Lovely being put in quotation marks there. Uh, Chris, who is that gay man on mm-hmm. Dark Side Divas, is a type of recording on Batu right now. Yeah, nice. no, he he is uh, at a weekend retreat at Nerd Church. 
and uh, he's gathering the blessings of the mouse to bring them back to the podcast, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and we'll see. <laughs> Is that the excuse he's using? Uh, you know, it's, I'm just fucking jealous. Let's just, let's just make it clear. If I, if I lived in the area that he lives in and I had easy access to Disney, I'd bankrupt myself getting there and just, they would have to escort me the fuck out of that too. They'd be like, ma'am, you do have a home, right? Like you need to go to that home and not stay here. And you know, that would happen (laughs) all of the time. Uh, I'd be selling plasma to get to Batu. Okay. I get it. Um, But I'm, I just, uh, I, my birthday is, um, in late November and I just bought my tickets and made my Mm -hmm. reservations uh, because I was supposed to go. The last birthday I had was a milestone birthday. I was supposed to go to Batu, and then somebody released the blue shadow virus and that became a, (laughs) It unfe- it, that became not a feasible thing that we could do anymore. Do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this year I am actually doing it and I'm sitting here buying my tickets and making my reservations going, how are some people, Chris, mm-hmm. paying for this? Man, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, who, who, I is, just... who is your sugar daddy and can I meet him? Right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that one of us on our show gets to go and experience the, the, the Batu of it all. And uh, and so he, he brings me back stories uh, about it. And one of these days, he'll actually bring me back some fucking swag. That would be nice. I was about to say, so he can bring you back stories, but he yeah. can't buy you something. He can't get you like a five dollar two. Who Just, am I kidding? Nothing costs five dollars at fucking. Yeah, nothing. Disney. Nothing does. Like, like his ticket stub, maybe that would be five dollars. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's awesome that they that that menu is actually mm-hmm. reflected in the real life. That's awesome. Something that I really like about the Mandalorian is they they when they have those little background Orabesh details like that, when they translate, they do actually mean things. Like mm-hmm. we mentioned on, we mentioned on uh, episode, episode six, when we did that one with Kyle, that every single fucking prison that's mentioned with the Orabesh mm-hmm. that she cycles through is an actual prison that exists either that's in amazing. canon or legends, which is insane. <clears throat> insane. The level of detail they put in the production design. Well, the I think, I like to think that Filoni was like, guys, you can't just put anything on that screen. Trust me. I made Clone Wars and I know that the fans are going to freeze frame and translate everything. So it's got to spell something because this is a couple of times in Clone Wars where it's gibberish. It's just like random words and stuff. And, and yeah, the, there are posts they online yeah, where the fans are like, what the hell does this even mean? Right. So they've learned that, that you actually have to put actual content on there. Let's talk about how problematic Bo-Katan is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I didn't. I didn't feel her being. Oh wait, no. Okay, no. I worry. I know where you're going. Go on. You know, so so in universe, um, mm-hmm. it, we're talking in universe. The character, uh, absolutely problematic icon. That <laughs> uh-huh. We love, and then she speaks. She says words, and we're like, <laughs> oh. oh, oh, right. You're a bitch. I forgot. She, okay. When she hears, and I, I didn't realize this until my second viewing this time, third viewing of the episode overall, mm-hmm. that what sets her off about Boba Fett is she hears his voice. Yeah. Oh, I, I think she immediately is, yeah. recognizes, you sound like D. Bradley Baker. Right. 
Because I'm watching it this time. And for one thing, uh, did you see how quickly that bar emptied out when there was not two, oh, but yeah. now four Mandalorians yeah, yeah, yeah. in the bar? Everybody had somewhere else to be. Yeah. And that is correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but you notice that uh, Bo-Katan and Cosca Reeves, neither of them gave any indication that they recognized Boba Fett. Correct. That, that's not a person that they know about. So they never crossed paths with him when he was active as the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. Um, because the last time they existed in the same universe, Boba was a teenager. So that would have been awkward. Um, but yeah, no, the I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, why is she? Yeah, why is she she had good interactions with the clones. Why is she so fucking mad that she has heard his voice? And then I remembered what happened after her good interactions with the clones was uh, there was this whole order that went out. And all of a sudden, every clone she ever interacted with was murdering Jedi and was an Imperial attack dog. Right. So that would explain that attitude. It's uh, it's one of those Kanan situations. Like, we want to, to side with the clone because we like the clone. But on the other hand, they did kind of do a order bad. Yeah. Yeah, so but she did. She have to call his dad his donor. Did she have to yeah. go there? She said, well, very like yeah. Here's very, the thing uh, with that line. Dad, yeah. yeah, it was very derogatory. Here's the thing with that line because remember, we've established she doesn't know who Boba Fett is, right? So she probably doesn't know that Boba Fett is an unaltered and raised by Django. Right. She just okay. assumes that some random clone has found Mandalorian armor. And has put it on and it's just kind of assumed that this Mandalorian, quote unquote Mandalorian foundling, was like walking around claiming he was the son of a Mandalorian. Right. When in reality, it's just a clone that Mm -hmm. got his donor. So that line struck me as a huge bitch move (laughs) the first time I watched it. Once I realized that she just thinks he's your run of the mill Mm-hmm. D. Bradley Baker clone, then it makes more sense for her to immediately flip the fuck out mm-hmm. and right. be like, why are you wearing that armor? Right. You are not Django Fett. <laughs> Who the hell you. do you think you are? Yeah. Weird, which was a weird thing considering how like laissez-faire she is about like taking the helmets off and things like that. But I guess it makes sense if you think about it in that mm-hmm. context. Well, the last time she heard a clone voice was probably over comms during the purge of Mandalore. So there's some trauma there. There's some some negative associations there. But can we talk about um, every single word Boba Fett says in this scene and how all of it is sexy as hell? (laughs) Oh, God. My God. If I could have him on a loop saying... A uh, little one. That would be fucking great. Just what, <laughs> sir? Oh I'm my just god! Gonna, just gonna take that little clip the, in isolation. I'm gonna tension. use it later for things we are not it's gonna talk about. All over TikTok. All over TikTok. If you want Boba Fett clips where he's saying little one and he's saying princess, yeah. Thank you, Tamara Morrison. That was well done, sir. Oscar. Oh god. Oh my like, god. Like, one of the reasons I was actively opposed to the return of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Yeah, me one too. One of the reasons yeah. I have come around on it is because mm-hmm. of Tamara Morrison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing I really liked about this scene is they did take a moment to uh, to utilize the fact that they've got a professional wrestler on set. Yes. 
And we do, in fact, get a tornado DDT pulled on Boba Fett. And it is uh, amazing. Love it. I have mentioned, Bradley, to you several times that we keep accidentally bringing on guests who are more qualified for the episode (laughs) than I think they are. When I brought Steph on for a specific reason, it was not because Sasha Banks pulls some sick wrestling moves. But now that we have someone who formerly ran Ringside Divas here. It is true. It is true. That was our our ignoble first outing as a podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, we did, in fact. She's fucking she's so cool. cool. She's so fucking cool. She's been a professional wrestler for 11 years. And say what you will about wrestling being fake, sure. But they are world-class athletes putting their bodies through ridiculous levels of punishment daily. Because the, the daily schedule of a professional wrestler is nonstop. It's constant. And so, yeah, she did use a stunt double for stuff in this because she actually had access to a stunt double. Because there's no stunt double in professional wrestling that's all her all the time she was like yes if somebody else could fucking get hit that would be great for once uh but yeah no her physicality is undeniable she is five and a half feet of destruction and i love her she's recently said that she is not going to be returning for season three no i saw that it makes my suspicion is if you read some of the interviews that she's talked about the scheduling Mm -hmm. it does not seem like certain now she's in which wrestling is she WWE or WWE? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so that's the one that's run by Vince McMahon, right? Yeah, I mean ostensibly. Okay, okay. I wanted to double check before I slagged him off on the air. I mean, go ahead. Any, I mean, any I'm pretty sure the reason that Mercedes Varneo is not coming back for season three is because it sounds like accommodations were not made for her schedule wise. Mm-hmm. That she was balancing Mando season two with her professional wrestling, which is also why she had the stunt doubles, mm-hmm. because she had to go from professional wrestling to shooting this. And uh, I don't know a lot about wrestling, but I know how much of a piece of shit Vince McMahon is. Lord, yes, he is. That has made its way even to me. Bradley's mm-hmm. giving me this look like I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Imagine, imagine, uh, like Donald Trump with with a higher IQ. That's like it's about it's about the sort of, but a lot of that is just his on screen persona. He's not Mm. entirely like that off screen, from what I understand. But like, kinda, it's it's a whole other thing. This is not a wrestling podcast. Let's rein it back in. Hey, Star Wars, huh? No, we could. I'm, I'm sure we could wander off onto a tangent. I don't know anything about Again, personal wrestling. If you but listen I can closely, you can hear Chris screaming. <laughs> <laughs> screaming at his phone right now. I love it. Mm, love it. This gives me chills. Anyway, so uh, Mando's like, hey, uh, Bo Katan, I need your help <laughs> to come and help me. Right? I, That's I, what happens. I find it interesting that Boba Fett uses the line. So previously on an episode of The Thing Charles Fucked Up, I made a comment way back at the beginning of season two. Mm -hmm. There was something like the Empire like glassed the planet or something. Mm -hmm. Then I went and double checked and I went, oh no, the planet's unlivable because of the Jedi. That they were the ones that rendered it unlivable. 
and that they had just like wiped out all life outside of these domes that the Mandalorians live in. And that was the reason for it. And then we get to this episode and Boa Fett's like, oh, the Empire turned his planet to glass. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what did they do to it? Right. What happened? So I have a theory. Um, Okay. Way back in Clone Wars, there is uh, George, George Takai has a guest spot where he is um, the uh, the most uh, deliciously chubby Nemoidian. And he is testing a weapon that he calls the defoliator. Like that's how he is George Takai. So you have to defoliator. You really got to get in deep with it. Um, but it is a weapon that destroys all organic matter in an area. And leaves oh. all synthetic life, like your droid army, intact. And he's just testing it on this uh, planet. And some adorable lemur people were being threatened by it. And so Ayla Sakura and and again, you know what? That's a Clone Wars thing. Anyway, um, so my theory is that weapon got put into a global scale situation because uh-huh. Mandalore wasn't great. Anyway, like during the Clone Wars, the surface of Mandalore was pretty fucked up from their Thanks, own Jedi. wars. Well, it was also from their, yeah, their war with the Jedi, but also with them fighting each other. Like right. the Mandalorians kind of jacked up their own planet too. Like that poor planet, right? So uh, yeah, I my theory is the defoliator got juiced up and employed on Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Probably the same type of weapon, whatever they used on Geonosis because Geonosis is uninhabitable on the surface too. Hmm. Yeah, because the Empire does forcibly sterilize Geonosis mm-hmm. when they move the Death Star away from it and they move from using Geonosians for construction. They just killed uh, everybody. And they just on. killed everything yeah. on the planet. Uh, and Rebels, Rebels shows them finding like this last <laughs> egg thing, uh, which turns into a queen who goes crazy and tries to build Geonosian cyborgs and then Darth Vader kills her. Oh, okay. And that's that's the end of that the Geonosians. Is, that, uh, is yeah. that in the comics? It is in the comics. Okay, okay, okay. That's, that sounds like a comics plot. <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah, comics yeah. plot. Maybe, okay. Oh, Lord. Was it Greg Pak who did the first run of Darth Vader? Sure. I, I care. You could throw out any combination of names right now. Sure. I would agree with you. I do okay. not know. I so, so yeah, that was at the first run of Darth Vader written by Katie Lucas. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Katie Lucas. And George Takai. <laughs> and George Takai with his defoliator. Mm-hmm. So All right. This this was the point that I mentioned. Uh, Boba Fett. Uh, not Boba Fett. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. God, there's so many bow names. Bo yeah. Names. Can we quit with the bows? Yeah, exactly. Can we quit with the bows, please? Um, Bo-Katan basically tells Mando, she's like, when you're done rescuing the child and you've got all that dealt with, uh, please come and help us reclaim our planet. Right. Because you're a badass and we like you. And he's like, okay, I'll think, think about, about it. it. And in my he's brain, not- I went, there's your, there's your season three plot. There's season three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Mando in that moment would have agreed to anything yeah. short of giving her the child himself. Like anything to get that kid back. And we, we will see that again later in the episode. He will agree to anything to get that kid back because I love him. Because Space Dilf. Because that is his child. I love him so much. That is his child now. Yeah. Yeah. Pershing's ear. 
Uh, if you look closely in the scene with him, uh, oh, yeah, he got shot. <laughs> one little design choice, you can actually see the, the blast uh, where it severed part of his ear. Oh, oh, he deserves it. Now, Bradley. Yes. I have been putting you off four weeks. I think oh, probably okay. four weeks <laughs> yeah. that I have been putting you off on this. I have promised again and again that I will explain where the dark troopers are from. <laughs> I have I've been waiting six times. But I yeah. have been waiting for Pershing to deliver the line. The human inside was the final weakness that needed to be solved. Ironically, the dark troopers are being played by humans inside the suit. So even more, even more <laughs> interestingly and ironically than that, dark troopers in legends. Mm -hmm. uh, originated in the game Dark Forces. And as far as the Legends canon was concerned, because, Steph, you probably know this, but back in the day, there used to be insane levels of canon. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. wasn't like it is now, where it basically is one canon, uh, but sometimes you might have scenes that are told slightly differently in different well, mediums. It was it was an embarrassment of riches. Like there were so many oh, yeah. books. There was so much and everybody would, there would be like, you would get chased out of a comic shop trying to get away from a debate raging between multiple factions within the fandom about what's canon and what's not canon. And everybody citing the fact that George Lucas was like, anything that's not in the movies is a fucking canon. And so, but now, thank you the mouse for descending upon us and right. providing structure and it's order. It's not perfect, but you can reasonably assume that anything right. you read, um, you know, with the exception of something explicitly said is non-canon, you can reasonably assume it's canon. And even mm -hmm. the Lego stuff is like canon-ish, canon adjacent. I, have my own I want it all to that. be canon because I want the Star Wars universe to be that cute. I have a theory on that, but we will talk about it in a Ooh. bonus episode later on. Mm. Uh, the Dark Troopers, as far as the quote-unquote official canon of Legends was concerned, they had a phase zero, which was clones Ooh. that they had put in suits and done things with. And that was the phase zero, Dark Troopers. I the would phase... like to put clones in suits and do things with them too. I agree. So who can the blame phase, them? The phase one and two uh -huh. Dark Troopers in Legends were droids. They were droids and then worse droids. Phase okay. three, which was the final phase of the Dark Troopers in Legends, were the first one after the phase zero that they were able to, they were actual suits. They were able mm -hmm. to put people inside them. Canon is literally the exact opposite of this. It's like the opposite direction. So this yeah, is- I was about to say. Yes. So they had the phase, so they had the phase zero, quote unquote, mm -hmm. uh, which were the ones that we see in the Bad Batch. Mm. Okay. The prototype- kind of training droids that we see them use in the Bad mm -hmm. Batch. Then they had two iterations, which were guys in suits of some description. These are phase three dark troopers. Mm -hmm. They are the first one after the phase zero that they have successfully removed the human element from. Okay. So they originated in Legends, specifically in Dark Forces, but they worked literally exactly the reverse. <laughs> also... I want to make this even worse because somebody said when I was researching this, I think it was Leland Chi said that anytime you see a dark trooper in a legend story, 
that doesn't match up like in Empire at War or Battlefront 2, you're supposed to assume they're not actually there, that they're just there for gameplay reasons. And I'm okay. like, thank God we have the story. <laughs> that is so, that is a long walk that Filoni and Favreau went on to get around to. Can we put the cool black robots in the show? Right, right, we right. Put the cool, the cool Vader looking robots in the show. Like that is over the river and through the fucking woods. But here they are. Let's that's, deal with them. That's the story of the dark. Tro- How do you feel about the story of the dark troopers, Bradley? Now that I've told it to you. <laughs> Hopefully we get a scene later on in this episode where they actually do something because you, you couldn't talk about them for the past four episodes. So. They'll, they'll do a few things, I imagine. So this scene also kind of breaks my plan rule. Did you notice that, Bradley? Uh, yeah. So, Seth, I don't know if you know about his plan rule. He'll explain it for you. but So the way that you'll ruin, I'll ruin every heist movie forever for you now. <laughs> oh, God. So as a general rule of thumb, when you're looking at at a screenplay for a scene, Mm -hmm. if it's a scene where they're going over the plan and they show you the plan happening while they're going over it, Mm -hmm. then the plan will succeed up until the point that they stop showing you the plan. Okay. If they go over the plan and then show the plan starting as two separate sequences, Mm -hmm. it, it will go wrong basically immediately. Okay. No, that tracks. It's very, it's very Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Yes. This scene kind of breaks that because they mm-hmm. go over the plan. The plan works up until the point they had planned. <laughs> and that's the point where the plan starts to go wrong. Right. Because they, Moff Gideon is a hell of a wild card. Oh yeah. 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 He's, he's the, he's the, uh, the wrench in the gears here for sure. Because he's a smug asshole, and oh, I love so him. <laughs> I'm blessed. Uh, but yeah, I really liked them going over the plan. Again, back to the reason why I like the Girl Squad so much, where nobody tried to pull a white knight chivalry move and be like, no, we the men will go in and face the danger. Uh, because they would have been in danger in that moment had they proposed such a thing, I do believe. Uh, <laughs> from any of the women in the room. Uh, and that was Bo-Katan's show. She laid out the plan. Uh, we get to the snag with the fact that there are dark troopers on board. Thank you, Dr. Pershing. You didn't have to volunteer that information. Pershing, yeah, Pershing doesn't so much, like it's not a mansplaining thing, mm-hmm. so much as a, I have intel that you don't. Right. I'm going to share it with you because I am captive in a room with Boba Fett, mm-hmm. Ming-Na Wen, <laughs> a rebel who wants to like crush my head in her hands and could uh, two mandalorians mm-hmm. and the kid's dad <laughs> so i'm yeah. gonna help any way i can and he's neutral evil like he he just wants to get back to the science of it he doesn't care who's got the baby as long as he gets to poke the baby with needles again at some point right right okay that's all he wants I don't like him. It will be interesting to see if he pops up in the Bad Batch. Yeah. See if we can get a villain origin story here. Mm -hmm. The plan is put into action as the group tries to emergency land on the cruiser. On the bridge, Gideon orders the comms officer to power up the dark troopers. Dune, Shan, Bo, and Casca fight their way to the cargo bay while Din sneaks his way in where Grogu is being held. So I... (laughs) 
Did anyone else find it really interesting that I think this may be the first time that, no, it's not the first time, because I think we've seen it somewhere else, but there's two ships in a hyperspace corridor together, and you can see both of them, and they can see each other. This is the first time I think we've seen it on screen, possibly? I want to say that it was, that it happened at some point during Clone Wars. I think it's Clone thinking Wars or Rebels. Rebels. Yeah, yeah I I think Rebels. Somewhere in animation, I believe yeah. it happened, but this is definitely the first time I've seen it in live action. Right. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah, originally my brain went, wait, how, how exactly <laughs> does that work? How right. are they seeing each other? How are they how talking are they to each, each other? other? Like, but then I went, well, the way that hyperspace kind of seems to work is you have these like hyperspace corridors mm-hmm. and right. routes. And as long as you're traveling the same direction at the same speed, obviously you're going to see each other as you're moving. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not going to mean a lot to Bradley. And I'm going to be very vague <laughs> because it is a twist. My it favorite is part twist. is that your listeners can't see the look on Bradley's face when you say stuff like that. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Our, our artist, Jordan, who does our artist for TikTok, just did a new a new series of the animation plates that I use to make our TikToks. Uh-huh. She has one of Bradley giving me this look. Yay. <laughs> which is just perfectly captures just the look that he gives me when I say things like that. But I'm going to be vague because it is a twist okay. uh, in the novel. But Steph, you may remember the destruction of the legacy run. I do. And exactly what causes the destruction of the legacy mm-hmm. run. And I thought it's really interesting that we see these ships together in this hyperspace right. corridor. Like, considering, oh. considering what actually was the cause of the great disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt really dangerous. Like, it's a good thing y'all are friends. Yeah, hanging out good, here in the hyperspace thing, corridor. Good yeah. thing y'all are moving at the same speed, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good thing, good thing you're moving at the same speed through this hyperspace corridor. Good thing one of you isn't moving faster than the other. So much faster, yeah. No, All that's... I'm going to say about that. <laughs> also, that, that captain did nothing wrong. Absolutely um, nothing. She did everything right. In handling right. that, but we will get to Yes. We will we will get to that in a few weeks. So uh, I, I was at first confused. I'm like, why are they cruising together here in the corridor? Because this wasn't part of the plan that we had discussed. But then they come out of hyperspace and, oh, it's so that it looks like Boba Fett's chasing them. Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Which and- begs the question, if he genuinely was chasing them, would he have been able to fire in hyperspace? I don't know, because then you're getting into like, projectiles going yeah. faster, faster than, than that and light. you know you know what star wars doesn't do actual physics right. actual science <laughs> no a jedi would probably be able to do a thing mm-hmm. and like a, a force thing from ship to ship but i i don't i don't see them firing on it because if they if ships were able to fire on each other and in, in hyperspace like that that would have happened so many times by now like that that would have there would be I don't know. It, it breaks my brain. You can probably see the smoke coming out of my ears right now. No, I can't. I can't. Watch it no. happen in Book of Boba. 
right. or something. First and, episode. <laughs> and then it's a hyperspace thing, but it'll be like Boba Fett that does it. So mm-hmm. shitty men on the internet aren't going to raise a stink about it like they did with certain other things that were done by characters who are not men, <sighs> which I'm a little, still a little bitter about the reaction to that. Oh but my God. That Watch is, it happen at some point and they'll explain it. Every couple of months, know. that conversation comes back up and I have to make another video calling people a misogynist and because you're being a misogynist, but whatever. Okay. And then you anyway, get tons of engagement and then it boosts your follower account. Exactly. And you win and they lose brain cells. Every time. That's Every how time. TikTok works. Love you, social media. <laughs> you hellscape. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, what's going on? There's just firing and stuff, right? Something's happening. Yes. So they pop out, they pop out and Giancarlo Esposito's face. We need to talk about what this, the control this man has over his face. Oh my God. I, I have done acting in the past, some of it in good situations, some of which I'm a little embarrassed by. (laughs) Um, You're not embarrassed by your past acting jobs. Are you even acting? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yes. So I am by no means a a professional actor. It's just a thing that I like to do. But the level, I know that the level of control that you have to have over your face, Mm -hmm. the level of just knowledge you have to have of your own features to pull some of the acting he does where he's conveying his whole process through his eyebrows Mm -hmm. alone. Stunningly good. He's so good. He's such a go-to bad guy in Hollywood. He's everywhere. Uh, he's He's been in some not-so-great stuff, some sci-fi channel stuff uh, back in the day, but I mean, he's so... He's so good. And you're absolutely right. Like, the artistry with which he handles just his facial expressions is com- so eloquent. I love it. And he's such an asshole in this character. It's great. Because I know... Because I know, Bradley, you've expressed that he's one of your favorite characters in the show. Yeah, I mean, I always, I'm always drawn to the villain anyway, because oh, yeah. they're, they're always the most interesting characters, right? Like, they have the most room to have fun, right? <laughs> and I think with him, especially in this show, like, I think, though he doesn't get very many scenes in this show, which I do think is a, is a disappointment, I think... He, the scenes that he does get are so good and he's mm-hmm. so strong in those few scenes that it helps make his character better. And I have a theory that he's going to be um, more so in the third season as kind of like a, I'm trying I to can think confirm you your con- theory. Giancarlo oh, okay. Esposito has gone on the record saying that he will be in the third season more than the previous two. Okay, well, there you go. Um, but I think in a, in a way that's like kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but like he's not going to be the villain, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But he's still going to be like with the team. Does that, you know what you I mean? Know like, what that's I'd my love, theory. You know what I'd love to see them so do? Fun. Hmm. I'd love to see them do like a Hannibal Lecter in Red Dragon or Silence of the Lambs thing with him. Where, like where, in, where they have to go and consult with him. Where they have to go and consult with him. Right. Because I'm a sucker for that dynamic. Oh my God. And he would be constantly manipulating them. Oh, because he's that kind of character. He would love it too. You know what I'm thinking about too? Is I think about it in the same way that I think about um, in rebels where Mm -hmm. they do the, the, um, 
the uh, Zeb and Callus storyline where like you mean the you love know, story? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. A similar percent. You could do a similar thing here where it's like, you know, he's he was the villain, right? Because technically in the first two seasons, he's like one of the villains, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yes, Callus is is one of the villains yeah, for the right. first and, two seasons. And then he transfers over into being helpful and not mm-hmm. evil <laughs> or whatever he is. Um, so I think it's like a similar thing here. I think Gideon's probably still going to be an asshole, but I don't think he's going to necessarily be like the bad guy. I think he would he would need to be deeply betrayed by the Imperial remnant right. uh, in order for that switch to happen, because right now he's a fucking fanatic. Right. So the real... there would have to be something astronomical happening. Now, the real question is, when you say he's a fanatic, the real question is, is he an actual fanatic? Is Gideon out for the Empire or is Gideon out for Gideon? Right now, there's not a difference between the two for him. Right. I don't think. So he's preaching this fanaticism to his loyal followers and these young men that he has recruited to his mm-hmm. cause and pumped their ears full of this fanatical, uh, the rebels were terrorists, mm-hmm. the New Republic is illegitimate. The galaxy is falling apart without the empire. We need to put the white men back in charge. Otherwise, everything will be bad. Which is a weird message coming from him. Which the question is, (laughs) the question is, does he really believe this? Or is this the best way to, quote unquote, unite both the Imperial remnant and people in the galaxy who are going to be sympathetic to that? And Mm -hmm. when he's in a position where that is not the most advantageous thing for him to do. How will he react to that? I can't wait to find out. Because he's a damn delight. He's a delight. Love him. The guy who is playing the, like, gunnery officer Mm -hmm. down at the deck, his name is Gabriel Ebert. He was another one of those that I looked at his list of credits, and he's got a lot of small roles over a lot Mm -hmm. of different TV shows and, and films. This is the guy who's like trying to stop the TIE fighters from going out because there's a Lambda class shuttle coming in. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to shout him out. And then additionally, on a previous episode, we had talked about the comms officer and who plays the comms officer. She's so pretty. She is. And (laughs) we had shouted her out and that uh, she was also on an episode of Pink Milk. So shout Mm -hmm. out, Brian. Uh, but Bradley, you had said in the intervening time that we hadn't gone over her, her list of credits and you'd found something interesting. Yeah, I don't think we have. I mean, I, you know, somebody's probably like being like, well, in the first episode, you guys said this already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so we, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. But I just Fuck off, it's our it show. <laughs> so two things. One, uh, I did want to say this is the fourth appearance of the comms mm-hmm. officer. So she is now, she still doesn't have a name. But she's appeared four times in the show, and it's like, girl, like, let's get her a name. Okay, but didn't she die on the bridge? In she this does. Finnick Shan, okay. uh, Shan shoots her in the back, which uh, she's never I gonna have that. a name now. Which I'm, <sighs> I'm not happy to see that character go. But if she's going to go, I think we all would like to be killed by Ming Na Wen. Yes, please. Right. Yeah, I think, I think this is acceptable mm-hmm. for all of us. Interesting. Yep. Okay, well, anyway, I just, I I like shouting her out. I guess if this is our yeah. last episode, this, this is the time to be, you know, make a big <laughs> deal about her. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, Kitty O'Brien. So she was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, uh, really? 
Yeah, she's in three episodes of Ages. Yes, my brain just connected her face to it. (laughs) Put that together. Um, So she's she's this close to having the Disney trifecta. Technically, she (laughs) has it if you count being killed by Ming Nan Wen. So, um, but she was she's this close. So we just need her to get something else, like something Disney, and then she's golden. Like she's our golden child. There you go. Um, But I on the Charles side of things, Charles is obsessed with a very particular show. And she happens to be in one episode. Of is it on? How, is it how to show. get away with murder? It's how to get away with murder. Yes. Oh, wow. Who did she play? Who I have no idea. Play? But she's in that show. <laughs> God damn it! She, she played like a waiter, I think, or something. I don't know. Uh, I can't. Fucking remember. useless twink. You cannot come this is the Sorry. second time you have. To, Charles Google is right time. in front of you. I'm just saying. I just it. thought it'd be a fun imdb.com to go back and rewatch the show and then be like, well, she might show up at some point. So. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm in the middle of watching the Owl House right now. I've had to put a pause on it uh, because I am marathoning the fuck out of Resistance this weekend. But when I finish Owl House, maybe I will go back and watch How to Get Away with Murder and see if I can spot uh, Axe Woves and the unnamed comms officer. There you go. <laughs> in that show. So I just well, thought that was right. the, that was like the only thing I had for this. You know, little. Bit. I just wanted to bring her up and give her her spotlight since this is her last episode. There you go. Yes. Celebrate her. She's dead. So uh, because the boarding party was enormously successful, like Wait. frighteningly successful, they're so fucking good. <laughs> I love them. They just wreak havoc. I do want to point out uh, Cara Dune's gun just because it looks like a cock and balls. <laughs> <laughs> It really, she's got this giant rifle, which I couldn't yeah. find anywhere on Wikipedia. I tried to find out what fucking gun she has. I, <laughs> I was able to find every other gun she's used in this series, but not this one. Um, and, you know, it, entering in extremely phallic weapon, <laughs> strangely, doesn't pull up a whole lot, or in fact, too many uh, results, but but it really does. It's got the two, like, chambers like, right there, like, there's right. the, the barrel, and then the two chambers at the end of it. I'm like, <laughs> how are we not giggling like 12-year-olds through the entire shoot of this oh episode? Because well, that you right see, there is Steph, a cock and balls. Steph, if the gun looks like a cock and balls, then that explains why it jams. It doesn't work for half the time. <laughs> 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 Touche. <laughs> that was the second worst joke I have made on this season two recap. I think the backdoor pilot F joke was probably worse, but God, that would Bradley is like nicely done. Clawing at his face right now. <laughs> Melting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, that was it. That was I just had to point out because the gun made me giggle. So that's all I got. <laughs> that's I'm bringing the quality content for you guys. Yeah, of right course, there. of course. Aren't you that's, glad you had me on? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> up next, Din reaches the cargo bay just as the droids complete their power-up. He closes the door just in time, but one droid breaks through. Everything he tries on the droid has no effect, especially his flamethrower. <laughs> but he is able to take the droid down with his Beskar spear. He then sends all the dark troopers out into space. Yes, Denjarin versus my bionicle collection. 
chocolate is what they look like. That is 100% what they look like. exactly what they fucking look like. They do, actually. <laughs> they yeah. do. They look exactly like if Bionicle, if this had come out Bionicle, in, yeah. If this had come out in 2004, you just know, you just know they would have had like a Bionicle, like with the stiff joints mm-hmm. moving. It would have been a crossover for sure. Yep. They would have absolutely done it. So I want to argue in uh, in defense of the flamethrower. Oh, that's fight. fucking brave on okay. the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, fucking brave. But here's the thing. So the this dark trooper that Din is facing off with and losing magnificently. Yes. Nothing. Like all of his little, all of his wonderful True. toys yeah. that he's got, nothing is working. And he, so he resorts to the goddamn flamethrower. Because something's got to work. It's that moment where you're just you're in a an RPG and you're like something in this inventory is going to work. Just going to click through all of it, throw a ham at you, you know, just anything to try and get some kind of victory here, and nothing's working. So he goes for the flamethrower, and you know the the dark trooper has that moment where he like turns and he's all on fire, Terminator style, and yeah. it looks really cool. But it also burns away this cowl piece that's around his neck which still exists on the other dark troopers. So you, you can see it burn away. So now all of these gears in the neck are exposed. So now uh, Din knows where to stab him with the spear when he finally is like, fucking Beskar spear, I guess. And does it. It shows <laughs> a weak that. point on the dark trooper. Hmm. He might not have known to go for the neck if he hadn't right. burned that part off first. I'm not saying he burned that part off because he thought that the flamethrower was going to do him any good. There's no way. That was desperation for sure. Right. But it worked. I I will accept this because I did not. I was so hyper focused on you just made it Terminator on fire now, yeah. right? So one thing, one of my my favorite twin book series of all time is Max Brooks's Zombie Survival Guide, where he did the parody survival guide for Zombie Apocalypse, and then turned around and wrote an actual oral history called World War Z. Mm. Movie was garbage. Yeah absolute fucking garbage except for the fact that they credited uh peter capaldi as who doctor uh, <laughs> several years before certain other roles he would take uh also side note two side notes the audiobook has mark hamill in a prominent role because of course yes. it does of course it does uh and also you guys cannot see my zoom recording but no you can actually see world war z in the corner on my bookshelf if you were to watch these Zoom recordings back. But the reason I bring it up is one thing he points out in that book when he's fake giving advice Mm -hmm. is he says, don't listen to Night of the Living Dead. Don't light the zombies on fire because the zombies don't feel pain. Fire takes time to burn through them. So all you have now done is you now have a zombie that can set anything it touches on fire. Right. And that's what I thought was happening with the Dark Trooper when mm-hmm. I saw this scene is, congratulations, you now have an indestructible Dark Trooper. Also, it's just it on, also fire on fire now. Right. But I will grant you that, okay, fine, it, it does burn away the cowl, which sort of asks the question, if the fire could burn away the cowl and expose the gearing, wouldn't the Beskar spear have penetrated it as well? But he wouldn't have known that it was a weak point. Like he had, he wouldn't have had visibility on where exactly to stabity stab, unless he look. I'm trying to justify the flamethrower here because I like flamethrowers. I because fire fun, uh, and the, look, the flamethrowers are mainly an anti Jedi weapon. 
So he was just throwing that out there. Yeah. Because he had no other options. Nothing else was working. The whistling birds didn't work. The whistling birds always work. No one right. has no one has ever expressed. I don't think I've ever heard it expressed before that the flamethrower is an anti-Jedi weapon. Mm-hmm. That's because that's an interesting of, thought because we see in Rebels that fire and Jedi don't mix very well. Yeah. You oh. can't lightsaber a fire. And you can right. only force shooby doo dooby doo a fire. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, a fire for so long. Right. Uh, and a, a lot of the Mandalorian weapons are developed specifically for fighting Jedi because, you know, they their history is what it is. And so they are weapons that are designed to throw too many things at a Jedi for them to be able to deflect, to overwhelm their senses, to give them something they have to dodge so they'll go somewhere else and stuff like that to control a Jedi's movements and such. So like the grappling hooks and the flamethrowers and all that stuff. So I hate how much so confused. (laughs) I hate how much Bradley is going to hold this over my head. Because we have now done counting the episode zero recap at episode zero. uh, We have now done this will be our 21st episode of covering Mandalorian. Uh Uh-huh. I believe if I'm doing my math right, Kyle is not here to to correct me. Okay. Uh, this is literally the first time anyone has ever explained the flamethrower to me in a way that makes sense. <laughs> uh, well, then um, there you and go. This smug asshole. When we get into Book of Boba in season three, I know that every time I complain <laughs> about the flamethrower, he's now going to be like. Well, you know, Charles, it's it's a weapon designed to hurt the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> it's designed to do that. Facts are facts. Yeah, facts that's are just, facts. That's just because I said, um, one you would think that, that you might take this moment to learn not to bitch about the flamethrower anymore. Uh, well, here's the thing about that, Steph. Uh, <laughs> I am, you I am, think so. I am a man <laughs> who expresses Star Wars opinions on the internet. I am socially and biologically not allowed and unable to learn anything or reevaluate anything at all. I have to keep the same opinion, toxic as it might be, and any challenge to that, Mm -hmm. I have to double down. Otherwise, that is a challenge to me as a human person, because I've tied my identity (laughs) so much to this Space Wizard franchise for literal fucking children. You're walking around with a Caradun rifle between your legs. (laughs) You have to do these things. I have to defend that. Otherwise, it'll jam. And and then where are we going to (laughs) be? Don't don't listen to anything I say later on in the episode where I talk about my opinion of how certain moments have changed. Because the other thing I do as a man who talks about Star Wars things on the internet is I never, ever, ever keep consistency in the things that I say. It's okay. I haven't listened to a word you said yet. So we're good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So yeah, the fight with the dark trooper, uh, that went really well, but I like that it, uh, Mando has the spear on him and, and used it to stunning effect. That went very well. So Bradley's favorite character, um, no idea why because he latches on to these minor characters uh, that no one cares about <laughs> is Captain Phasma who as we know uses a spear of some description in she The does. Last Jedi mm-hmm. so the question that we've had when the spear <laughs> showed up in The Jedi is do we think this is the same spear I you know I surely there's more than one spear 
in the Star Wars universe. True. I mean, but it's so, a Star Wars universe. So there's only nice, one spirit. Right? No, I feel you because there's only like one force using family in the Star Wars universe. Exactly. There's one Corellian class, class freighter in the Star Wars universe. One <laughs> right, Wookiee. Right, right. Yeah, no. So it's entirely possible. I don't know. Totally uh, apparently Phasma has a book. So if there, yes. so there is a book that is just called Phasma. There is. I have read it. Bradley has not because he does not know how to read. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this will be a really good time to learn, though, because if it's a book about your favorite character, I haven't read it either. But Darth Chaco tried really hard to get me to read it. And he was telling me that it is really it's a deep dive, of course, into Phasma's character. And she is um, she's not an Empire or a First Order loyalist. She's a Phasma loyalist. And so she, she, and she's just a badass. And Funny. so, yeah. Funny thing about that is, yeah. So when they wrote the Phasma book and the comic, the five issue comic, they, they were given the screenplay. You could do a comic. Movie. A comic is like a book, but it has pictures. Yes. Huh? <laughs> I've been working on it. I'm this close. I'm trying, I'm trying to get him on Phasma. Honey, at Dark this point, disciple. he's not going to do it because you insist on it so hard. Now he's never gonna. I see that. I feel you. Yeah. No. That's, uh-huh. that's every gay does that. Like, they, you tell them <laughs> to do something, they're going to do the opposite. So Smug it's, it's, fucking it. twink. <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, I'll, I'll, even, I'll tell you, though, like, I even bought, I even went so far as to buy the Thrawn book, which is one of my favorite characters. And I mm. read, like, the first couple chapters of the book and then gave up because I just don't like to read. So, you tried an audio book. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about it. According to Chris, the audiobook for uh, the High Republic, the, the audiobook reader uh, is excellent i know he's cute because i googled him in the middle of an episode recently i remember uh, listening to that episode he's very cute he's got a very nice beard oh mm. yeah mm. he was also in uh he was also in dooku jedi lost which is another way i've been trying to yes. get bradley into to things by like well maybe you could listen to this audio drama it has a saj ventress in it hmm Mm-hmm. God, I love her. But okay. she she was actually when she wrote the book, it's Delia S. Dawson, I think, that wrote the book. She was given the deleted scene of Phasma. And that's Ooh. what she was working with. Mm-hmm. And then they replaced that scene where with the, the death scene that's actually in the film. Mm-hmm. So that's why it feels like the book and the comic are building up to a character that we don't really see. They cut that scene from the film mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. replaced it. But the spear that she uses, I, I'm wondering if, like, the First Order got its hands on the spear. Somehow it's the same spear. Something if it is the about. same spear, then it's, then it's much like the Darksaber. How the hell did Moff Gideon yeah. get his hands on the Darksaber? How the hell would the First Order get their hands on the spear? Um, that might be one of those plot points that we hand wave. So we don't know. And maybe at some point in the future, we will An make a comic book about story it. story for another day. For another, for another day. day. Right, right. <laughs> Up next, after Din finally destroys the Dark Trooper, he reaches the cell holding Grogu to find Moff Gideon with the Darksaber over him. He tries to fight Mando and loses, with Mando keeping him alive per Bo-Katan's request. They make it back to the bridge to Bo's disappointment. The mm-hmm. alarm sounds as the dark troopers board the cruiser and make their way to the blast doors. Dank Ferrex at eight. 
<laughs> dank Are you dank so wait, did we, we miss one? Yeah, there was a dank ferric. There was a dank ferric earlier when her gun jammed, right? Yeah, it's it's in this sequence. It's between the dark. It's between the oh. dark trooper fight. Oh, okay. And the scene you didn't mention the sequence where they take the bridge in your right. summary, so I included it here. Okay. The, the dank ferret counter. They're the same number of dank ferrets. Okay. That there are episodes in this season. We have counted all of the nice. dank ferrets. Nice. There nice. are eight of them. Hmm. Okay. I like it. I like because, it. I thought it was more. Because when we come up with a counter, right. we actually count them. You the actually days. count them? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. Listen. One of our counters is the Anakin Skywalker red flag oh. counter. We don't have that many numbers. <laughs> but Steph, I can't bring you on the show and not break shade. <laughs> that, that would be inappropriate to the Dark Side right. Diva's brand. Absolutely. No, I accept it. Yes. yes Very so well done. Our Dank mm-hmm. Ferret counter, end of episode eight, is sitting at, episode 16, rather, is sitting at eight. Interesting. That's some good Compared data. to good. season one, which was only one. <laughs> I think the one, I would have to double check all of my notes for the season. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that eight does include the one from season one. Oh, it does. Okay. I'm pretty sure we counted all Dank Ferrix. Now, at some point, we're going to do Rebels. And both Bradley and I have said Carabast. that we want to count the number of times that the literal underage minors murder people. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun counter. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So Gideon is, is ISB. Mm-hmm. And hey, what, is, what does ISB stand for? Imperial. Charles? It's the Imperial Security Bureau. It is their CIA and yeah. FBI and He's NSA that's rolled up into one. He is an intelligence <sighs> officer. Gotcha. And it, it stuns super, super clear when he's like, yes, I know all of the things all of the time because that is what I'm good at. Yeah. Right. It's my job. It's my function. Um, I really love, I mean, hats off for the bajillionth time in my life to Pedro Pascal for acting through the helmet. Because he's like, all right, I finally got to the cell. Haha, I get in. And then the whole oh, shit right. moment that you see where he takes in the situation and you can see him go, there's my kid. Shit, there's Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon's got a sword. Uh, it's a glowing sword. Like there's a lot of, yeah, a, lot of there's a lot happening here. <laughs> you can see a lot of wheels turning behind yeah. that visor. And he just, he does such a good job with that. Such a good job. There's a lot yeah. of reassessing. Yeah, and uh, this was the moment that you talked about earlier when you said, Den is prepared to say mm-hmm. whatever to get the kid back. Yeah, yeah. Because Gideon's like, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I have what I want. You can have the kid. I will leave. Obviously, he's not going to do that. Obviously, he's lying. Right. Right, right. And Den's like so hyper-focused on the kid that he's like, yeah. Sure, mm-hmm. whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah. you keep you the saber. I don't give a shit. I don't care what I agreed to with Bo-Katan earlier. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Give me my kid. And to the point where he forgets like all of his survival badassery that he's had for two seasons up to this point and gets within arm's reach of Moff Gideon and gets him on his blind side to where he's off to the side. And he's got to like, because he just wants to pick up his kid. And that's the thing is kids will get you fucking killed. And that other two children will get you killed. That clearly was Gideon's plan. Mm -hmm. That it was apparent that the Lorimen attack him 
Mando would kill him. Mando would get the dark saber. There would be no way to rectify the situation. Mm-hmm. Then Mando leaves him alive. Yeah. yeah. Wait, do you think Gideon's plan was to get killed by Mando right then? He expresses genuine surprise that Mando does not kill him in that moment. I Yeah, but I don't think his plan in attacking Mando was, I'm going to get this guy to kill me. I do so, think that he, in attacking Mando, he was like, one of us is dying. But he fully expected it to be Mando. Right. Because he was going to sucker punch him in the side of the head with, uh, with the Darksaber. I don't think he expected that Darksaber to bounce off the Beskar. I feel like that was, was very frustrating for him. You would think he would be more knowledgeable about the Darksaber and know, I have one chance, maybe I should. But now that I'm saying it out loud, mm-hmm. my thought is possibly he just sucks with the dark saber <laughs> he's not a swordsman like he was he's going for an unarmored part mm-hmm. and his plan was to whack mando in the back and kill him and right. escape and he missed because he sucks yeah. with this well i mean he's an intelligence officer he's 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 certainly not been trained in the wielding of a lightsaber let alone a very specialized lightsaber like the dark saber with its flat blade and it's all of its hoja it's enormous history, et cetera. Uh, it's, a, it's a collector's item. It's a trinket for him. It's, he's got it because it's power, right? Not because he has any idea really how to use it. And he does well enough because it is such a powerful weapon in the situation. And from what I understand, I was watching some behind the scenes stuff because it's so good. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito went really hard in those scenes when it wasn't the stunt double because you, you, we do see his face a lot. Like when he's carving along the wall and the sparks are flying. You can you can see it in his face, and he's just ah, he's really getting into his villainy in that moment. He went so hard in that fight scene; they almost ran out of prop dark sabers to be able to film the scene because he kept breaking them. Right. So, the, oh, actors. The interesting thing that he says, though, is you know we've asked before why is he studying blood, but then he says his blood has the potential to bring order. Mm. back to the galaxy and I kind of perked up and I went why do they need high M count blood to bring uh, a first order back to the galaxy what are they doing with this blood exactly they're making Palpatine it's going Probably. in a Palpatine smoothie it's all the final order it's yeah. either that or they're making Snokes they're trying to make Snokes mm. out of it and which are Palpatine vessels which we will find out in the uh, plot twist in the sequel trilogy that makes my eyes roll so far back in my head I can see out the back of my skull uh well that's this what Dave does is he takes movies that make absolute no goddamn sense yeah and he's like okay here is seven seasons of connective tissue <laughs> for you to make this for to make this make sense for yeah. you I'm going to throw some nuance at it and hope to God it makes sense now. So yeah, now that happens. Um, but I really liked the scene, the fight scene between Mando and uh, and Gideon. It, it was never going to go Gideon's way. No, no. Like, congratulations on your shiny armor, sir, but you are, you're a spy. You're not, you're not a fighter. And that's all Mando does. That's all he's done his whole life. He kills life. things. That's, yeah. That's what he does. He's going to kill you in t- 10 seconds. Right. Except he doesn't. And he was and uh, Gideon was legitimately surprised and then amused. 
so smugly amused. I love how yeah. funny he thought that shit was. He's like, oh, I can't wait. Like Please, take I I <laughs> yeah. Please take me to bo Please take me to bo immediately. <laughs> he yeah. was so, he's like, I'm so glad I'm alive to see this conversation. Let's go. <laughs> Where's the bridge? Is it this way? Let's go. All right. <laughs> right, right, right. Fun, fun note about bo by the way, when they bring her, bring mm-hmm. him to bo did either of you pick up on the pose that Bo-Katan is standing in? Yes. Yes. The Star Wars bad intentions pose. She's doing the Darth Vader pose. Yes. Where you're looking out the window and you got your hands folded behind your back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a dark side pose right there. Mm-hmm. She's she's not a good person. This is a good time to remind ourselves of Bo-Katan's history over the animated series and how she's not a good person. No. She's not. She's no. awful. I love her. She's awful. <laughs> she was. She started out as a terrorist extremist. Uh-huh. Right. And she didn't really evolve a whole and lot only, beyond that. only stopped doing that because her leader made compromises mm-hmm. that put an outsider in a position to seize control. And she was like, no, I'm actually so extremist that I'm not cool with this. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my sister now. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to work for him. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm rather team up with my sister and Obi-Wan, even though I clearly still don't like them. Yeah, she's and awful. Then, yeah. But so, I love it. I love that uh, in the Filoni-verse, female characters are allowed to be awful and and swim around in the gray area. Right. Love it. Instead of literally wearing white or a gold bikini for their entire existence on screen. Well, this is leading credence into my um, my theory that like I don't think Gideon is the villain of the third season. I think right. it could end up being Bo Katan is the actual villain of the. Third it would season. not take much right. she, for her to decide that she needs to hunt Mando down, and that right. working with him isn't going to work anymore and that they right. that it has to come to a fight and then who knows, maybe maybe we need to make friends with moff gideon you know, hang out yeah. maybe all there will there will be like a scene where everybody has to take the shirts off and then there's Boba <laughs> and mando and moff gideon and they're like i don't know like in a sweat lodge or like a sauna a sauna you know just gotta please planet. please give us this please give us this <laughs> just for us you can do it in the marvel movies you can give us the random gratuitous shirtless scenes in those yeah, I guess, what's the problem? What's the problem? I mean, the, the armor's great. Don't get me wrong. The armor works for me. However, right. I would like well, to see more, please. We only know one thing about what happened on this bridge after the end of, of the scene where it mm-hmm. ends. And that is that Finnick Shand walked off of it. Yeah. Because she's in the stinger. Mm-hmm. All we know is that Fennec Shand walked off of that bridge. We have no idea what happened afterwards. Right. Like, right. where's where's Dr. Pershing? Last time we saw him, he was on, on Slave One. Yep. Where's he? Where's but, he? Is this going to be in the Boba show? There's one thing that I want to get back, getting back to the, real quick, just one detail from back in the cell uh, with with little baby, little baby Grogu. He's sitting there with a dark saber above his head, wearing the teeny tiniest little pair of handcuffs. <laughs> you can see the baby size handcuffs. Who makes baby size handcuffs? Like, really? where do they? Who? What? 
is it what Amazon service is delivering baby size <laughs> handcuffs out to this end of the galaxy? Like, and who puts in that order and doesn't go, we might be the bad guys. <laughs> I was speculating in our episode six that like the empire, when they have these brigs, they have like a closet full of different sized handcuffs now. <laughs> Because I guess on the Death Star, the handcuffs didn't quite fit everyone because they kind of seem like they don't fit Chewbacca that well. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Luke seem a little big for him when he's walking around on the Death Star, too. He so is a little the, short for a stormtrooper. Maybe the Empire invested in, like, just a wall of different handcuffs. Maybe these handcuffs were actually intended for, like, Kowakian monkey lizards. And Grogu's wrist just happened to be the same size. But or Bobu Fricks. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever a Bobu Frick is. It just seems a little teeny tiny little, really? Uh, <laughs> really? baby size handcuffs, huh? You guys really maybe, are the bad guys. Maybe the... They looked at the Ewoks and were like, maybe we should have different sized restraints. Because, or their infants. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a three foot tall, uh, two, three foot tall little creature. But mm -hmm. like, it also murdered and cannibalized a bunch of our forces. <laughs> They're very so, dangerous. So maybe we should start They will make musical seriously. instruments out of our skulls. <laughs> Anyway, I just wanted to point out the baby handcuffs. That was that was adorable. <laughs> and he still looks so cute. Up next, another alarm sounds as a lone X-Wing fighter docks on the ship. On the security monitors, we see a hooded figure making their way <clears throat> through the ship. They watch as the green lightsaber destroys the dark troopers one by one as the Jedi makes their way to the bridge. The group opens up the blast doors to reveal Luke Skywalker has come for Grogu. <laughs> Din and Grogu say their goodbyes as Din shows the child his face for the first time. Grogu meets R2-D2 and Luke picks him up as Din watches them walk away with tears in his eyes. You describe it so flatly like that. <laughs> it does not convey like the music is still playing in my head yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah so when the x-wing flies up and they're like an x-wing just one x-wing and caradine's like oh one x-wing we're saved yeah you are bitch you're fucking saved <laughs> oh my you're god good. Oh my God. Um, so I was in denial the first time we watched this, even though every tiny little clue led right. to obviously that's going to be Luke Skywalker coming in. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, surely not. No, I bet I like I hadn't bought into the it's going to be Plo Koon. Plo, God, so hard to say his name. Plo Koon. Uh, I hadn't bought into that misdirection right. propaganda that they had put out. But I was like, I guess I was, you know, because when did this come out? Like we're we're like clearly mid-pandemic. We are mid-pandemic. When this, yeah. like we're in the depths of the doldrums this of the started, existential crisis. Yeah, this started airing around October of 2020, mm -hmm. and this was a point that we made in our episode zero that Rise of Skywalker came out in late 2019. Mm -hmm. We got the final season of Clone Wars in like March. And then we hadn't had any Star Wars after that. Mm -hmm. And we were smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was, it was a very, and this came out in the middle of the 2020 election. Yeah. So you know, we get to this and we're watching like, it, it's a green lightsaber. We can see it. Like he's got a glove on his hand. Like, yeah. obviously it's going to be who it's going to be. 
Uh, but I was still in denial until he took his hood down because, because reality doesn't love me that much. Good things aren't happening right. to anybody. Why would any, like, why would my heart be made whole in this moment? No, that doesn't happen. And then he took his hood down and everything was wonderful. <laughs> I, I specifically, uh, so a little behind the scenes on how we put uh, this season of recaps together is, the the four guests that we've had on the show, all of them I have asked to do specific episodes. So mm-hmm. they did not pick the episodes. I specifically asked each guest to come on uh, to do a particular episode. Mm-hmm. The reason I asked Steph to come for this one was because I listened to the Dark Side Divas episodes right at that were recorded right after Steph saw it for the first time. Oh, <laughs> I just, don't remember what I said. <laughs> Basically what you just said. (laughs) You loved this so much. So wholeheartedly. And I was like, I want to bring somebody on that wholeheartedly loved this to give their perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Because when I first watched it, I did not. Oh, wow. Who hurt you? (laughs) Uh, So many men. (laughs) They're all named Luke. (laughs) (laughs) The magic of this moment was just so like I I rewatched it twice today in preparation for this teared up both times because because he's the hero. He's the only hero like big like fucking space wizard magical epic hero's journey hero that we've got in the galaxy right now. Mm. Of course, he's the only one that we would allow we as the audience would allow Din to hand this baby over to and be okay with it. Like, I right. wasn't okay with him possibly handing him over to Ahsoka because I'm like, um, she's got issues. Like, do you know who her master right. was? You don't know, because you don't know shit, Din Djarin. You really don't. You grew up in a cult. So you're a homeschool kid. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> galactic Google is a thing, saying. Uh, he could have done a little bit of research. But no, having, having Luke Skywalker show up here was so... Uh, so magical that I was able to overlook his zombie face. Yes. So. so that was, so, so my journey when I watched this sequence for the first time and then coming into now, mm-hmm. my journey has been when the X-Wing, I knew somebody was coming right? and Bradley will attest to this because it may shock people, but Bradley and I did not start talking to each other about Star Wars when the podcast started. This has been happening for a long time. I was like, I'll bet you anything it's going to be Snoke. Snoke is going to hear him and take this baby away. That's going to be the end season twist. (laughs) I'm sorry. Is this like Star Wars via The Walking Dead? Like, is that the kind of level (laughs) of disaster you were expecting? I was convinced that either that Snoke was going to come back. And like that he was going to show up the way he shows up in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, which wasn't out at the time, but when he's presenting himself as a good guy, Mm. because we know that Leia had some sort of interaction with him Mm -hmm. where he was pretending to be a good guy. I was like, he's going to show up. He's going to pretend to be a Jedi. He's going to take Grogu away. Then the X-Wing flies across the screen. And I'm like, well, maybe Ahsoka's come back. Mm -hmm. Like, it never even hit my mind. And then I saw the Kate move and I went, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and as he's cutting through the dark troopers, at the time I was watching it, I was watching it at midnight. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's just an easy way to dispose of this threat. Yeah. That's just a, <laughs> that's just a, just come in and, and again, we're not, we're not talking about what I feel now. We're talking about what I felt at the time. I went, well, this is an easy way to resolve this problem mm-hmm. that you've spent multiple episodes setting up. Then he shows up and it's like the CGI face. Which looks terrible on the phone, by the way. Still looks terrible on your phone if you're watching it on that, which I was at the time. It doesn't. It doesn't look good on a TV either. Comes I mean, it in, looks marginally better, but like comes in and takes the child away, and I'm like, then R2 shows up, and I was glad to see R2, but I was like, right. this is this is fanboy nonsense. Yeah. This is this is pandering, mm-hmm. ridiculous pandering. Mm-hmm. I grew up on the original trilogy. This is ridiculous pandering. Having watched it now with the benefit of having analyzed this season more in depth on this show, when it happened on my first rewatch, mm-hmm. which I did at work yesterday, remember how I talked about, I was, I was doing things at work yesterday. One of the things I was doing was crying. <laughs> this part. Uh-huh. Cause with the foresight of really diving into every episode of the season, Yes, obviously he's going to find a Jedi at the end. And yes, obviously that Jedi is going to be Luke. There's really not another one. There really is not anybody else who could come in and take this kid. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will note here that I love, love, love the interpretation that Brian has from Pink Milk. Because he also disliked this, but for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. He didn't like that Luke comes in and separates a child from his father, essentially. Mm, Okay. And views it, but he raised the point, and I was like, I kind of love this thought. Back in the Jedi episode, Ahsoka says, Ahsoka, who was trained by the actual original Jedi Order, says, no, his attachment is too strong. This is going to cause problems. I can't train him. Better let his abilities fade away. Right. Then comes Luke, who was not necessarily trained to the degree that Ahsoka was, who comes in and is giving the more Jedi line, mm-hmm. where he says, you need to give, give the child over so that he can be trained. Bad things will ha- He needs to, to have training. Mm-hmm. He's emulating like the old Jedi, and that is a mistake. Yeah. Luke's attitude of, I need to be a Jedi and say the Jedi things without internalizing the mistakes of the Jedi in this era is going to directly lead to the catastrophic fuck up that is going to happen mm-hmm. in a few years. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, no, correct. Agreed. Because he's, he's acting, he's giving the same speech that a Jedi seeker would give to the parents of a child. Yeah. Steph, I don't know if you would catch this because have you guys, you guys have done Children of the Force, right? The kidnapping the children. Uh-huh. Where, where Palpatine had his big plan where he was going to yeah. send Cad Bane to so kidnap se- children. So the Seekers, what they would do, the Jedi Seekers, is they would come in and they would say the same thing Luke did. They would say, look, you don't have to give the kid up. We're not going to force you to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this kid has phenomenal cosmic powers. Right. And on the one hand, it's your duty to the Republic. Mm. But on the other hand, if this kid doesn't get proper training, bad things will happen and Mm -hmm. you cannot take care of him, which, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Luke in this moment. Well, he's he's very full of himself. He did just yes. uh, he, he's riding high on that whole hero of the New Republic uh, hubris that he has to have developed in order to fuck up hard enough to make Kylo Ren happen later to be a part of that whole catalyst. So, um, yeah, I think it's entirely appropriate for him to come in and be like, look, I'm the only one that's got the solutions to your problems here. Give me your child. Absolutely. That's a, that's the Jedi as interpreted by somebody who has never met an actual Jedi more than about a grand total of a few weeks Mm -hmm. thing to say, which I just, let me get a, a sip of my coffee again here. <laughs> I just find it interesting. He's not taking how... a sip of his coffee. There's no coffee left. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing left. I just find it interesting how some people are like, this is the perfect Luke Skywalker that we deserved. And I'm like, oh, yeah. This guy is arrogant as hell. He's pulling the Return of the Jedi mannerism, like, Props to Max Lloyd-Jones, uh, Bradley's childhood crush. And congratulations the- to him on his face. <laughs> My God, sir. <laughs> I didn't realize that we had something that pretty hiding behind that zombie face. Right. Uh, too, pretty, right. too pretty for me, not for me, but thank you. Um, but he really does look like Michelangelo's David came to life and decided to be in a Star Wars show. It's like, absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Her. Props to him because... Like, this is definitely stuff he was doing under the Luke Skywalker digital mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's doing the facial movements and things from Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's that era of it where he's trying to lean into it. Where, where Luke was so eerily self-possessed in Return of the Jedi, where he's like, I am so calm. Look at me being a very calm Jedi. I'm trying so hard right now to be so calm. And like, this is what Jedi are like, right? Right? I know. Some Jedi, the assholes, are. So, I've good job. met two of the most asshole Jedi. <laughs> One of them was a chaos goblin who lived in a swamp, which, by the way, R2 rolls out and sees a tiny Yoda, and R2's like, oh, this is this is adorable. Actually, like, <laughs> actually so I want to I give an alternate moment. Okay. Is that R2 canonically swears with every alternate word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I assumed that R2 comes rolling out and what the fuck is this tiny little fucking <laughs> chaos goblin? What the fuck did Yoda shoot it into in order to get this thing? Oh. There's another one. Like, There's a little one. Gorgus I just like, oh, it's beeping. But he did the he did the the Yoda, yeah, the Yoda. The happy dance. He did the R2 happy dance where he, yeah. he you know hops back and forth a little bit. He was so happy to see this kid. And I really feel like R2's uh the purity of R2's response to him is what calmed Grogu down because Grogu was really worried about this. He was like, Dad, really? And I'm okay, I'm gonna go because Luke Skywalker, not a welcoming visage in that moment no. head to toe in dramatic black and chanel boots and no and he's like with his super calm dead zombie face okay about the zombie face did you guys see the deep fake that a fan made yes it's good it's really him. good there's a reason they fucking hired him yeah. it's so good his name is shamook on the youtubes and yes. it's really good because it brought back the, I, I hadn't, there was like, there was a certain je ne sais quoi that was right. missing from the zombie face. And I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on it, but Shamook found it. And that was his eyes. Luke mm. Skywalker, Mark Hamill, bright, bright blue eyes. Always just these beautiful eyes. And they were just 
flat mm. in the original. But uh, in the deep fake, they sparkled and it was just, uh, it was beautiful. But they put the life right back in his face. Yeah, maybe you just need to make it like just like a hair too fake, like to make it better. Like, you know what I mean? Like put a little bit of a filter on it just to make it prettier. And then mm-hmm. we can believe it more. You know what I mean? Like it's like Tarkin in, in Rogue hmm. One, the way they did Tarkin in Rogue One, where it's just kind of not pristine enough mm-hmm. that. It, once you get over the initial shock of oh they're not going to do this in the window oh they're actually going to turn around and we're full-on going to see peter cushing's face right uh once you get past that in later scenes you can almost believe that that's that he's there mm-hmm. right. you never quite forget that it's a digital model right but you can make yourself believe that he's there mm-hmm. as opposed to this where when i watched it on my phone for the first time in bed I thought it was Sebastian Stan. Uh, <laughs> I really so feel like guys, Sebastian guys, Stan would have been a good guys, choice. How do you guys rank this in the three digital faces in Star Wars? Where do you guys rank the Luke face? This is the worst one. Yeah. Really? This is, this is which is terrible because it's the most recent one. They should have right. the best technology That's for interesting. It. Maybe. Okay. I, I would put the Leia face as second. Yeah. Second really? worst. Uh, and yeah. Tark- well, but I think it is because it's a personal reaction because I okay. know their faces so well, right, 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 right. And I know, like, uh, I just, I just know because of of endless hours watching the original trilogy, I know every movement of every little muscle in their faces and how how their faces react to everything. And like, there is nothing that an animator trying to create that scene can possibly do to match that wealth of knowledge that exists inside every fan's head. We just have a bottomless catalog of what that face is supposed to look like. And like, they can only do, do the surface of it. And then it's descent sharply into the uncanny Valley. So. But I still cried. So they still win. It worked. It worked. Oh, I wept. There's two other uh, major things that I want to talk about, although Mm -hmm. I will sneak in the middle here that I actually kind of freeze framed it. And if you look really closely in the scene where the X-Wing is flying across, you can't see R2-D2 in. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, Um, yeah. That's a little freeze frame. I was going to say, before you get into that, I want to just throw a little fun fact in there with R2-D2. Before we get too off topic, uh, (laughs) I saw a... um, I saw a fan convention video of uh, Ming Nguyen at uh, I don't know where it was. It was one of those conventions, right? Mm-hmm. She's at a panel, and she was talking She's such about such a Star Wars nerd. I love her. I love her is. so much. Is I oh save I saved the video on TikTok, I think, um, and it was of her, and she's talking about how they were filming the finale, mm-hmm. and how when they brought in the R two D two model robot mm-hmm. thing, right? It was green, not blue. Um, oh, oh, that's she, right. And she was talking about how she was like looking at it and she went up to Dave and she went up to John and she was like, that's R2-D2. And they're like, what? No, it's not. <laughs> this is a, he's green. He's not He's a green blue. astromech. Right. And then she was like, guys. That like, is an R2 model astromech. Like, guys, we're doing, we're doing Luke Skywalker, aren't we? And then like, they didn't say anything. And she was the only one who figured it out. And she was like, guys, it's obvious. Like 
<laughs> she's such a know. nerd. I love, I love her, her so much. much. But she's, anyway, I just wanted to Sam throw that whole thing up. Right. Sam yeah. Whitwer levels of nerd. Sam, right. I'm going to correct Dave Filoni on my first day in the office. Whitwer. Yes. Shout out to uh, Dark Side Divas for <laughs> educating me on that fun fact. Bless about. his beautiful little heart. God, he's so pretty. Um, two, two more very quick things that I want to mention mm-hmm. before we get into the stinger. Uh, the less consequential is, I just want to talk about Gideon in this sequence. His fucking face when Luke oh. Skywalker shows up. No, that face starts when he's, when they say he a Jedi. A Jedi. He's, he's like, like, oh, fuck, because there's only one of those that he knows about. Right. And that's the one who killed his boss. <laughs> so. Both of his bosses. <laughs> he's like, like oh, shit that's a bad dude we do not need to have him on the ship right like just his whole world is crumbling and it's so beautiful to watch giancarlo plays it as this is the face of a guy who has had a variable thrown into his plan Mm -hmm. that is a fucking monster variable for the first time in his life the guy who thinks he knows everything had no way of knowing that that jedi was gonna show up today that's awesome and then he like tries to shoot himself which is super dark by the way yeah 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 like i'm watching resistance for reasons i can't talk about yet Mm -hmm. Uh, although by the time this episode airs people will probably know them uh but it's such a a strange contrast to go from watching resistance to watching this episode Mm. for my notes as because some of the stuff in here is kind of dark well first he tries to murder a baby then he tries to murder anybody who's standing between him and the baby so he can murder the baby and when none of that works he tries to kill himself well he shoots bo-katan a bunch and yeah. he specifically targets Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. He specifically tries to assassinate Bo-Katan and then tries to shoot himself and then gets clocked in the face. With the cock and balls rifle. As yes. it should be. Yeah. The, uh... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I cannot Try wait and for unthink Chris it. to listen Go ahead. to this. I, Chris is, is going to send me a message like, why the fuck did you guys not invite me for this? <laughs> no, he's going to be like, you see what I have to deal with now? You see? Well, too she bad. Turns, I'm just as bad. She turns everything into a cock and balls. You can't stop her. Anyway, you were saying. And then uh, <sighs> the last thing I want to bring up is the deprogramming. So this is the end of the deprogramming mm. arc. When he finally have, takes his helmet when off. When he finally takes his helmet off. And Bradley and I have been talking. We talked about with our guest Aaron on episode three. Aaron both has personal experience with and has done a lot of research in cults, particularly Mm -hmm. American, Western, religious, evangelical cults. Wow. And she talked a lot about deprogramming. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the arc of Din's deprogramming over the course of the show, how he is confronted with things that challenge his ideology and how he reacts each time so his mm-hmm. reaction to Bo-Katan when she takes her helmet off in episode one his reaction so three episode three in episode one when he meets Cobb Vanth and he's wearing the Mandalorian armor uh and then especially episode seven we talked about when Mayfeld directly challenges him and he locks up mm-hmm. 
this is kind of the end of that deprogramming arc mm-hmm. to where finally in a do or die, he may never see the child again. It is his values or a moment with his child. He ultimately chooses the child. Right. And the moment when Grogu reaches up his little, his little clawed green hand <laughs> and touches his, his face. dad's face, the look, there's a moment because, because Din Djarin doesn't do a lot of facial expressions. This is not something he's been socialized to right. see or to mimic for his entire life since he was a child. So his facial expressions are extremely subtle, but just the, um, the, the profound moment when somebody touched his face. Right. Nobody's touched his face since they put the helmet on him when he was a kid. This is the first time and it's, and it's his son. And it's just like, oh, I mean, straight to the heart, just the look right. on his face. He has to close his eyes and like take a breath and it, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. There's there's like one thing that would make this scene even better, and is if he took his shirt off, I agree. Well, yeah, but I was thinking more like if Din had like a a tear go down his face, and then Grogu went and grabbed the the tear, he like wiped it away. Like that would have been like it. That would have set people off. Yeah, no, I would have died a thousand times, but I also feel like that would have been a little too much for that moment. But just having him stand there with just the glisten in the bottom yeah. of his eyes of the tears that he doesn't even care if anybody sees because right. he doesn't even care if these people see his face right now. Oh, and that's, that's gotta be the first, like it's this moment of emotional vulnerability where even someone like, like us, who's been socialized to control our facial expressions, mm-hmm. this would be an extremely vulnerable moment for us, for Din Mm-hmm. who has not got that control it's almost even more so because not only are they seeing his face they're seeing his face in this extremely extremely vulnerable moment for him mm-hmm. he's then, so naked and not in a fun way and then like Luke that. pulls some fucking L- luminara bullshit and is like may the force be with you Okay, like, bye. You, you can't have anything better you could say or more comforting you could say. <laughs> no, nothing. Um, I also really loved how Din was so unselfconscious for somebody who is so exposed in front of people for the first time since uh, Mayfeld. Um, he's co- totally not aware of them because the only person he sees in that moment is Grogu. He doesn't see anybody else. Like He sees Luke for a minute just to make some eye contact and be like, don't take my kid to a school where he's going to get killed by your nephew someday. Okay. We're not going to do that. Right. I feel like that was an unspoken agreement that Luke is going to break later, but, um, but yeah, he was, he's so not focusing on everyone else in the room that we, as the audience don't see everyone else in the room. They're either out of frame or so out of focus that we can't see them. So that, that was really good on the, on the director crafting that shot. It's tunnel vision down the hallway. They, uh, they, have an insert shot of one other person in the room at the very end. They have a quick shot of Cara Dune for some reason. The last time we will see her in the series. Hi. Bye. Bye, <laughs> <Hi>, Felicia. <laughs> Which takes on new uh, new meaning now that right. it will be the last shot of her. But they have this random insert shot of her. But other than that, yeah, it's tunnel vision. Like mm-hmm. right up until Luke walks away and you can kind of see people standing around and everybody's looking at this scene. No one's looking at Den. They're looking at what's happening because what has happened is a one in a trillion mm-hmm. moment. 
if you're very lucky, you will never see it again because let's not let's not get deeply involved with Jedi, okay? Right. That doesn't end well for anybody. I feel ever. like all of galactic history is shown. Yes. Do not get involved with the Jedi. No. There there be dragons. But yeah, that's it. That I, I fucking loved it. I uh, unconditionally adored the Luke Skywalker of it all from the first time I saw it. Loved it. Before we we uh, finish out to our credits, where this episode definitely ends, uh, <laughs> right on the directed credit, and nothing happens after. Uh, I'm just curious. <laughs> Steph and I have both shared our reactions to watching it for the first time, uh, but Bradley, I want to hear yours. So I think this ties in, we've talked about this before privately um, off air, uh, but I think when I first watched this, well, first of all, I want to say when I first watched it, when I saw the X-Wing, I didn't actually think about Luke Skywalker for some reason. Like that didn't cross my brain at all. I think it was when you first see his um, his glove with mm. the lightsabers when you truly mm. know for sure. Because I think up to that point, I was like, who the fuck could this be? Like, it could be the Plo Koon, it could be fucking Kit Fisto for all we fucking know. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, Kit so um, I was thinking like, okay, you know, this is a strange thing. Once I finally knew it was him, I was like, no way they're doing this. Like, this is strange. And, you know, they smartly don't show his face the whole entire time up until mm-hmm. the last point, which is a very smart, like kind of, you know, just choice um, to do the character without showing the character. Right. It also saves and, money. Well, that too. <laughs> um, but I think me and Charles have the same kind of thought process. Like this is a series finale moment, not a season finale moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my first reaction to this was, Whoa, wait, this is the end of the show stuff. This is not the end of the season stuff. Mm-hmm. So we were, I think, I mean, I, I can kind of speak for you. I like, we were kind of shocked yes. that they would yes. put this in there. Mm-hmm. They even think because, to put this in there. Because we did discuss at length, like my, my thoughts was, oh, the rest of the show is going to be him traveling around doing things and getting involved with stuff and hunting down the Jedi. And then at the end of it, they, he's going to find right. a Jedi and, mm-hmm. and something's going to happen. But nope. Dave and his moving at 18,000 miles an hour, uh, <coughs> resolving things in just a few episodes after he introduces them, like drop this on us. Well, but you guys are right though. It is the end of that story. Mando's not the, you know, the lone gunman with the child anymore. Yeah, that's true. That, that, that's, that chapter is done. That those chapters and each episode is called a chapter. Those chapters are done. There's going to be a new book. And I firmly believe that we will see Grogu again and he will come swooping in with the most adorable little white saber at some point and (laughs) rescue Mando Uh in a moment of great duress. But uh, until then, no, we're moving on to whatever's next Mm -hmm. for this gunslinger out in the wild, wild west Mm -hmm. of the galaxy. It has been speculated uh, and and I sort of I, I think that this is credible enough that I would say this is probably a, a thing that I could really see happening that there'll be one more season of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and then they will change the show. They will change the name and they will change the direction and they will keep the entire cast. Okay. And the name change will reflect uh, some major change in the story, some sea change. Mm-hmm. I privately suspect that the new name for the show after season three is going to be The Mandalore. Okay. But we will see. 
what happens with that right because this this is a great little transition into our epilogue um, yeah hey. uh, who, who directed this episode and who wrote it bradley oh, on our, okay, so, our concept artless credits yeah uh so it was directed by peyton reed which is mm-hmm. uh as we mentioned before the ant-man guy um yes. he is also the director the famed and storied director of bring it on yes i mentioned that in thank you <laughs> and charles was like okay uh no charles you're being a cheer tater charles no <laughs> okay okay we'll acknowledge I'm, the joy of this i'm gonna deploy <laughs> i'm gonna deploy uh my my excuse I for every verb. time this happens which is it's cold in here i am a top uh, so I cannot be expected to retain knowledge well. Uh, I am bad at the thinking. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish to God you guys could see Steph's face right now. <laughs> I'm going to let you have that excuse because it's adorable. It's bad shit. Um, but you are being a cheer tater in this <laughs> moment. And I think excuses like that are strictly forbidden. I'm quoting Bring It On right now, Charles. Oh, I know it. you are. <laughs> I know you are. And Bradley's <laughs> over here like a smug little motherfucker. Like, oh, good. Someone else gets to do this to him. For- uh, <laughs> I love it. He directed Bring It On. Right. The most oh, famous movie he's ever directed. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly hasn't done anything since. Not sure no. how he landed this gig. <laughs> right. Lord. What a loser. Good job, Peyton Reed. Right. So Peyton Reed, uh, Peyton Reed, brought us into the episode brought us into the the season and closed us out mm-hmm. and then who wrote this episode Radley? uh it was john uh, of course it was my boyfriend john favreau yeah. <laughs> yes um <laughs> what, what's now- this face what's this face bradley do we not like john favreau no no, no, no. it's just uh, because literally the majority of this season obviously was written by john um mm-hmm. and we because we've talked about how john and every Dave. Right, John and Dave, and there's a few that are not, but it's funny Rick how like Iwa, I think wrote wrote episode wrote the one. seven, and I right. think that's the only one I can remember off the top of my head that was not that written was not, by John or Dave. Right, mm-hmm. because I think it's the first three are a trilogy. We said um, that are written by John, and then um, the kind of mini trilogy or the dispersed trilogy, we'll call it, is the final mm-hmm. kind of end cap of the season. Um, that's got the Peyton Reed kind of, uh, not the Peyton Reed, the uh, Rick episode is kind of like sandwiched in, um, but it's still a part of the trilogy uh, story, but it does kind of go off a little bit and then come back. And of course we know Dave wrote the the Ahsoka episode. Because obviously. Right. Obviously he did. Who the fuck else is going to write <laughs> Who the fuck right. else? <laughs> who, who is allowed to write Ahsoka who would besides dare exactly. to try? Katie Lucas, that's who. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, the answer is also Rosaria Dawson, who's co-writing the series with Dave Filoni. I mean, mm-hmm. pop off, lady. Get sure. it? I love her. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Okay, so well, that's that it, was, the credits. That was the end of the episode. That's the end of it. That's right? it. Yeah, Go home, everyone. Nothing, <laughs> nothing else happened um, except <laughs> Bradley. Yeah. Do you want to give us our final summation final of summation. this season? Well, 
Finally, if you stayed to the end of the credits, like in a Marvel cutscene, uh, we mm-hmm. see Jabba's Palace on Tatooine, which is now being run by the gluttonous Bib Fortuna. Mm. Fennec Shand <laughs> enters the room and kills all of the guards and gangsters. She frees a Twi'lek slave girl before Boba Fett shows up and shoots Fortuna dead. Boba throws mm-hmm. the dead body on the floor, taking the throne as Fennec Shand takes a swig of Spotchka taking her place at his side. Book of Boba is confirmed. Mm-hmm. Taking his so... place at his right hand. Yes. That's where she Yes. Sits. I am it. so glad you mentioned the Spotchka. <laughs> that she just goes... And everything we have seen about this stuff, right, is that it is strong as shit. Right. People pour little shots of Spotchka and it's fine. Right. And here's fucking Finnick Shan. <laughs> it's just like, straight I am going bottle. to swig Everclear straight out of the bottle. Fucking That's queen, right. fucking legend, fucking icon. So like, ready for this shit. Mm. Uh, I'm going to rapid fire some facts. Okay. okay. Because we have stuff on the show, of course, I have to mention any notable actors. I do that anyway, but... Right. Uh, Bib Fortuna is played by Matthew Wood. It's Matthew Wood! It's Matthew Wood. <laughs> uh, Matthew Wood famously, uh, he played Bib Fortuna in The Phantom Menace. Uh-huh. He played Bib Fortuna in The Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he voices all of the battle droids. Uh, and he also provides the voice for General Grievous. Uh-huh. Uh, which, fun fact <laughs> about that, uh, I, I do remember, didn't, wasn't he like not allowed to audition for General Grievous? Mm-hmm. Because I remember a story where uh, when they were doing the auditions to replace Gary Oldman, they were not allowing Lucasfilm employees to audition for this role. Hmm. And Matthew Wood submitted it anyway and got the part. <laughs> I, I half that. remember that from a Revenge of the Sith. Um, maybe, maybe that could be the sure. thing Charles fucked up on the show. I might have to do some research. On that, but yeah, he's awesome. He is all over Star Wars. He right. is the voice. He's, of, he's uh, the sound guy. Also, yeah. Yeah. he is Ben Burtt's like successor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the voice of Roger on the Freemaker Adventures. He's just—it would be easier to list the things that Matthew would have done. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. that brings me to a funny point. So, te- I don't now. There could have been others uh, previously. We just haven't dug that deep into it. But Matthew would would technically be our first Disney crew trifecta. Hey. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yes, because he has been a supervising sound editor on pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. But fun fact, he has been a supervising sound editor, of course, on Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all the new Marvel shows. So he's been on Loki. He's been on WandaVision. He's been on Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. He's also, to make it officially a Disney trifecta. He has also been the supervising sound editor on Wally, which is the one that I chose <laughs> to tell you guys about. Um, uh, so he is our God, first crew Disney trifecta. <laughs> what a fucking superstar! God, right? I love, love him. Oh, and funny enough, you said man. you said he did the voice of the battle droids. Funny enough, I looked it up. He also did the voice of the battle droids in the Villager episode of Visions in the English dub. Yes, right? in the so, English dub. There you go. So he's he is also in Star Wars Visions. He is all over the place. He's this man does not sleep. Right. <laughs> man does not sleep ever. And the behind uh, the scenes footage of him uh, shooting this, he's just so uh, happy to be in this giant Bib Fortuna suit, and it's <laughs> it's a lot. 
Like right. it's not quite to the level of being the Java slug suit, but it's as much as it's as close as you could get to that and only have one person inside it. Like it's right. just, Bib's been eating. <laughs> yes. A little bit. A, a lot a of, while. a lot of like, a lot of times when you watch behind the scenes footage and you're like, mm, there's no way they can be having that much fun all the time on this mm-hmm. set. Oh, hell no. This is definitely fun. But everything I've heard about the Star Wars sets is that when they actually get on the sets, everybody's having a blast mm-hmm. doing yeah, it. I, I feel it. Because they love being there. And it comes across in the stories that they tell. You can just mm-hmm. feel the love oozing off of the page for it. It's so good. It's so good. A couple of, couple of tiny little notes uh, okay. before we get into the big one. Okay. Uh, the staff is from a 1993, I believe, action figure. <laughs> so once again, I have, I have shouted this fucking video out on every single goddamn episode of the second season I did. But Alex Damon, Star Wars Explains, 101 Easter eggs has been <laughs> invaluable to me. Nice. In noticing some of these that I nice, would not nice. have noticed. I'll crib off of other people's work. So, Absolutely. Thank you, right. Alex. Thank mm-hmm. you for making me sound so much smarter than I actually <laughs> I love it. But that staff is from like a 1993 action figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do a lot of research on it. It looks like it might have been Kenner, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. But- my God, the level of nerd that it takes to be in the production of this show and go, you know what? Bib Fortuna had a stick. I saw it. It was on a toy. It was there. Yeah. <laughs> and then just probably, to make it. Probably Pablo Hidalgo, since that's like his actual job is to right? do those things. Uh, the the, nails, the nails are super weird. Mm-hmm. Like I love how he clearly has not been taking care of himself. Right. And they point this out because his nails are super long. So grotesquely long so disgusting. fortuna was never a good looking twilight twilight twig twilight? the eternal debate twilight. he was never a good looking citizen of ryloth to begin with <laughs> right uh but now you let yourself go sir um, but i mean we've seen you know in uh what's his name born Horn free ta thank you uh you know that piece as of they, shit as yeah. they age, that asshole. Maybe, there's a tendency to thicken up a bit, and that's right. Fun. Yeah, when you go to Coruscant and spend the entire Clone War uh, just like eating luxury dinners and <laughs> with a drumstick in one hand and a martini in the other, <laughs> a slave like, girl under each arm. Like, hmm, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Cham Syndulla was justified um, <laughs> in what he does, but I you am saying say that it. I understand what he's coming from. Like, I can see what motivated you. It, if you if you look in the background of the scene, mm-hmm. you can kind of see uh, in the Star Wars Explained video, he explicitly identifies one of the backup singers from the Jedi Rock sequence, Ristel Sam. Oh, wow. I did She's see that, around? yeah. So... I checked Wikipedia. Wikipedia does not explicitly confirm that is her. Hmm. She is not credited as such in the episode and nothing official appears to have said, but we can be reasonably certain that that is the backup, one of the backup singers from the Jedi rock sequence. Thank God. 
you know, because that brings us full circle to our very first pilot episode of Gold Squadron Gaze that we did, where we talked about that scene in Return of the Jedi and <laughs> how that affected us as children. Um, when you think about when you think about it, we also talked about Hayden Christensen in the pilot episode. Wow, full mm-hmm. circle. Please do not go back and listen to the pilot episode. Oh yeah, it no. sucks. Yeah, don't go back and listen to our first episode or two either. We didn't know what we were doing. Right. We were so no, nervous about funny. talking about Star Wars in public. Take, you know? take my advice. Um, don't do that. Or <laughs> why did I did like you guys' first few episodes because of the hippie Qui-Gon stuff. <laughs> we, when we had Chris on for Ryloth, I actually, I was finding excuses to work the stuff in. Uh, at the time, I'd only listened to the first couple of episodes. Nice. I have now listened to the entire catalog. Ooh, that's a lot. That's that we talked a for lot. a very long time. Congratulations. I feel like you should yeah, get some well, kind of trophy. Welcome to Gold Squadron Gaze. We talk a long time too. <laughs> I had noticed that. It's fine. It's fine. Boba, so the, the last Easter egg, which is going to take us into the big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the throne actually, for some reason, has Boba Fett's name on it. Oh. That's what's written already in the language. Yeah. Okay. It, it's a, it's an Easter egg. It has the little oh, I see, I see. Boba Fett's name on it. It just says Boba Fett repeated over and over again in the <laughs> language. Uh, <laughs> which brings us to Boba Fett sitting on the throne. Oof. Oh, sir. I, uh, that's a nice shot. And how I want him to sit on my face like that. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I just, I just saying that there's enough room on that throne to climb up on his lap. It's, it was deliberately designed yeah. certain ways. Mm-hmm. Right. They it knew what good. they were doing. Um, you saw I, when they put out the posters for a book of Boba Fett and there's it's the, just the shot. Yeah, he's got he's got the big like the the man spread on his throne, and it's a good shot. Uh, yeah. Somebody, some blessed person whose name I cannot remember right now, and I'm so sorry. Photoshopped at the top of that poster, "Daddy's Home." Oh, <laughs> and my like, uh huh. Yes, he is. Bless, bless. Mm. Oh mm. my lord. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's book- it's it's too much. It's yeah. Yeah, book of Boba Fett caught literally everybody off guard yeah yeah there was a lot of confusion a lot of people were like wait is mandalorian over what is it is it boba fett now i think people are still confused they're they're a little confused i think until book of boba airs like right i think Mm -hmm. it's right after christmas like we're gonna be like okay i get it once december 29th right i think that's when we'll finally understand what it is and then we'll understand going forward how it's I'm gonna so go. excited about it too because the the criminal underbelly of the star wars galaxy is so powerful it always has been from the original trilogy it has always had this it's been this enormous shadowy power behind the scenes and like we're finally diving into it oh i can't wait mm. also everybody involved is really sexy so that's yes. nice too i'm so ready yes. for it. it helps yeah it's and like that was the first indication that they were going to start spinning things off mm-hmm. yeah like we had kind of heard about Rangers of the New Republic, mm-hmm. uh, potentially maybe being like a Cara Dune vehicle, which is obviously not going to be anymore. Nope. Right. But we had kind of heard rumblings of that. Maybe they were going to do one spinoff show, but this caught everybody off guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was going to tie in like this. And then they did the Disney investor call in 2021, uh, in early 2021. Mm-hmm. 
and they were like, oh no, we're actually doing a bunch of shows. Uh, the entire second season of Mando was just one giant backdoor pilot. Uh, have fun, guys. <laughs> I love it. it. But that's Disney. Disney's like, oh, oh, is there more money? I smell money. Yeah. And we're going to chase it. And you know what? Okay. I, can't, I will not begrudge you that. Continue to bring the magic into my life. Make me feel something. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, God. Please distract us from everything, including the stuff that your company does. <laughs> Give us the bread and circuses. <laughs> we will help you play the fiddle as Rome burns. Anyway, since that was so uplifting. That was... <laughs> what an uplifting, uplifting note. Uh, that's that's everything that's I it. have. That's everything. Um, Okay, well, I want to do our rankings real quick. Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah. So what we, we have ranking? our final ranking of the season. We've oh. been ranking the episodes from this season as we go along. And mm-hmm. I've been kind of doing mine off the cuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to do them off the cuff again now. And then Bradley next week, when we do our, our retrospective, then I will sit and think and write. So this will be my gut reaction. Got it. Episode rankings. Okay. Steph, you do not have to participate in this. You can if you want to. Okay, I'm going to watch you guys, and then we'll see. Okay. So I'll go first. We're going to see if if things have changed a bit since last week. So number one is going to be the Jedi. Uh, Then I'm going to go with the heiress, the marshal, the rescue. I know that the siege is going to be at the bottom. Uh Uh, I know that the passenger is going to be right above that. Uh Uh-huh. I am trying to remember what the other two episodes of the season were. It was, okay, the tragedy is right below the rescue. So the tragedy is number five. And then the believer believer is going to be right Mm -hmm. below that. So the tragedy and the believer have switched places. So, yeah. So the way that we've been ranking these. That was confusing. Uh, So it goes Jedi, heiress, marshal, rescue, tragedy, believer, passenger, uh, siege siege right mm. so in the in the past couple episodes so uh leading up to this we've had we've had pretty much the same exact ranking up until we got to the fifth or sixth episode right so believer and tragedy for me and charles is kind of like switched mm. um which is uh not not like drastically but like you know just it's just slightly like you know i like one more than the other and he likes one more than the other but it's pretty much the same except for those two. I have Believer at number five and the tragedy at number six. So Okay. We but we both agree that the best episode of this season, or we think is the Jedi, which is the Ahsoka episode. And then we think the worst one is the Siege, which is the um group mm-hmm. attacking the oh, Im- Imperial yeah. base. So you mean the the macaron commercial? That's what I yes. took away from the that episode. Yeah, episode. Yes, exactly. So please, I mean, please put I this ride in your... Carl Weathers is good at doing yeah. the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a fun episode. Right. Uh, it's not more much more than fun. <laughs> but yeah, I like in in this season. Yeah, that's not that's not going to be a standout at all. Well, all we can right. ask you. We were going to say you. We can ask you. What's your favorite episode yeah. of the season? The Jedi is my favorite. Uh, absolutely because of i mean i had a a big like nostalgia stars in my eyes moment when i saw luke skywalker but my whole heart just leapt out of my chest when i saw ahsoka and and it just i just because i love her right i didn't i've come a long way in my feelings about ahsoka but so yeah the jedi so did i Mm, so did i that had to evolve 
someday some podcast is going to get me on uh, and I will be able to finally talk about just how shitty my opinions on Ahsoka were. (laughs) The wisest thing I ever did. The wisest thing I ever did as a Star Wars fan. So I worked for the city newspapers teen section at the time. I was one of their movie reviewers Mm. and I fought tooth and nail to get the Clone Wars movie. Oh no. And I walked into that movie. Charles, what did you do? And I walked out of that movie and I called my editor from the parking lot and I said, please give this review to someone else. It's not that I can't review this movie. I can. I am just going to trash it for six solid paragraphs and it deserves someone more objective to look at it because all of my complaints are as a fan of this series. Mm, uh, Wisest thing I ever did. I now see. I have a podcast where I give my terrible opinions on the internet. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Where they stay um, forever. Perfect. But yeah, I think I would probably rank the believer higher. I'm not sure where exactly, and I, I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. have I don't have the mental bandwidth at this stage to be able to really lay out the list. But I loved the Believer. Same. Love that episode yeah. where because there's a thing when you cast a comedian in a dramatic role, uh, which is Bill Burr. Uh, they're so fucking good at it because comedy is so hard that drama comes easily to them. And so the facial journey he went on sitting at that table, you can see the exact moment when he realized I'm going to kill this man. Mm. And he looks at Mando and he's like, I'm sorry. I know this fucks up your whole plan, but I'm going to kill this man. And like the seven stages of heartbreak that he went through. Right. Justifying it to himself and realizing, no, I can't walk away from this table and not kill this guy. Like all of that just happened on his face. It was so good. Anyway, I really like that. Bill has no business being as good as he is in that episode. And And I I will definitely, definitely look forward to uh, hearing you guys cover it in exactly 20 years (laughs) when we finally get to it. About 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which segues quite nicely into uh steph as we close this episode out <laughs> do you want to do your promotions for dark side divas the show in which a woman and a gay man express their opinions <laughs> about star wars what charles said um i am a you may have noticed i'm really bad about talking myself up but i love this podcast i love the show that chris and i are doing we are dark side divas we are bringing the voices of a woman and a gay man to the star wars fandom uh and we are exploring the entire visual story of star wars in chronological order so we started with the phantom menace and we are as quickly as we can uh moving through the entire story we just finished season three of clone wars i am in the middle of editing our lego star wars terrifying tales episode right now and then we're gonna jump into season four where shit gets real dark real quick so literally dark it's it's the umbara arc so (laughs) we got ways to go because like we got to finish out clone wars and then there's revenge of the sith and then yeah we got we got wow endless content where can the people find you on the social medias if they want to interact with Dark Side Divas and tell you how wrong you are about all of your oh, opinions? would you please? And then get roasted <laughs> on the first few minutes of your show. It's so fun. Um, no, you can find us on um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. 
most especially TikTok, uh, as at Dark Side Divas. And you can find our podcast anywhere podcasts are. Um, Chris has done a really good job whoring us out just all over the place. We're, we're everywhere. We're like glitter after a rave. Knowing so. Chris, that's an interesting choice of words. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a pimp. That's what he does. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, this has been really fun. So, yes, yeah. thank, thank you. So you thank you for coming on. Yeah. Uh, it's been absolutely delightful. <laughs> uh, thank you so Until much. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, see, I do this on our show too, where I'm like, I don't know how to end this conversation for the listeners. So, well, here's, here's how I do it. Are you ready? Mm, yeah. Bradley, run the fucking social so I can get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did we forget something? Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. I was like, you know what? I'm a guest. I don't have to prepare. I just need to show up and be pretty. That's right. So. <laughs> so That's okay. That's the mentality Bradley has every fucking week. Yep. <laughs> Listeners, this is an audio medium, so you can't see the smugness on Bradley's face right then. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh.